a silver and gold. Got the body of a 20-year-old. Got the body of a 20-year-old. It's silver and gold. Got the body of a 20-year-old. Got the body of a 20-year-old. I swear to God, somebody brought up uh, that post, which was like seven years ago. And, uh, you know, I watched it again because it's fucking hilarious. But uh, the only thing about that is, is that I have been sitting around for about the past, uh, well, I'd say about a week, week and a half. And I'll be like cooking in the kitchen or doing something. And I find myself... uh, Singing, it's silver and gold. Got the body of a 20 year old. Got the body of a 20 year old. Or walking around fucking Walmart, like humming that or singing it in my head. Uh, yeah, it was a good one because it definitely uh, sticks with you. A uh, nice little jingle there from uh, Sly Stallone, who, um, it's kind of a sad thing uh, that his mother passed away not, uh, what, just like a, maybe a couple weeks ago now. So maybe there was some kind of connection there that Jackie Stallone passed away and that post resurfaced. Uh, anyway, let's get down to it. <laughs> this is where I should play like our theme song. For uh, the the show, it would be like I dropped my book. Um, this is Doctor Zom, and um, just thought that I would hop on and uh, do a little show for the masses or the five people that are the mass. (laughs) Uh, Not too much going on here other than uh, the temperature uh, seems to, I think we're, we're experiencing some of this global climate change because I believe it was just a few days ago I was taking Mary for a walk in the morning and I had a winter parka parka on these insulated uh, like hiking pants that are waterproof and a pair of gloves and this morning I just put on a light jacket and it was really foggy out and I took her for a walk and by the time we got back I was almost like sweating and it's supposed to be I think it was 34 degrees when I was wearing my coat and it's supposed to get up to like 83 degrees today and it's fucking November. Uh, the river, which is like really close to where I live. I mean, I don't know, maybe two or three football fields away, probably like two football fields away from my house. Um, you can almost see the bottom of it and any place where there was, you know, there's like a sandbar or something. I mean, it's, they're huge, which you normally wouldn't even see or know they were even there. Um, we had a pretty, uh, nice walk. Uh, saw a squirrel. Uh, I thought it was a fucking groundhog. 
Uh, you know, it was so big. I think it was like a big red squirrel or a fox squirrel. Sometimes we call them a fox squirrel, big red one. They're usually, the red ones are usually the biggest. Um, and it was running and ran up across this uh, pile of like brush, uh, like where they had cut some wood and stacked it up. And I thought, God damn, look at that thing. And it was a fucking squirrel. That's how big it was. And then we saw some deer. Um, when she sees deer, she fucking just like starts, you know, whimpering and she wants to chase them and we see the same ones every morning and I try and kind of like you know I don't want to spook them and they they usually don't get too scared or anything because they see us all the time um and then we we were walking along the trail and she was sniffing 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 and she was so intent on sniffing I didn't even see the son of a bitch it was a doe and it was within probably 20 feet of us and just standing there. And I, and I saw it and I was like standing there looking at it and it didn't move. And then I was like, Mary, you don't see that deer. She didn't even pay attention to it. So I guess unless she sees it herself first, you know, then she, if it would have, if when we were standing there, if it would have made a noise or took off running, she would have saw it. But she just, you know, she didn't see it and it it's, didn't move. So who knows what was going on with that deer, <laughs> the deers out there. Um, I watched last night, they have on, um, I guess it's on HBO, um, Love Lovecraft Country, but on um, the Roku channel, they had the first episode for free, so I checked that out. It was pretty good. Um, I don't know, though, if it's something that I would sign up for, you know, HBO and add on to my cable bill just to have HBO to watch that. Now my sister has HBO, so maybe I can get her password. And again, cause I had it before and then, you know, I guess after a while it, I don't know what happened, but it logged me out. Um, but I wouldn't mind continuing watching it because the first episode was definitely, uh, you know, it started out. I was like, Holy shit, what the fuck's going on here? But then it kind of eased back and it, um, you know, it, it, it was a slow build. And then toward the end, you know, you started getting into it and, you know, some action and some stuff going on that you would expect like from a, you know, HP Lovecraft. Um, so I'm curious to see where it goes. A lot of times with something like that, um, I'll get on iTunes and just, you know, buy the whole season, um, especially when it goes down or if it's not too much even to start with, you know, sometimes the newer shows, they want people to watch it. So they'll put it on to purchase and it's not that much even to start. So we'll see what, we'll see what happens. Um, because that one, and again, like I said before, I'm watching Fargo, the boys just finished up. I'm going to, um, I got the new episode of Fargo, uh, just came out and that's another one where I just bought the season. So as this, the episodes are released, it comes up on my iTunes. Um, or was it prime? I can't remember what I got it on. Uh, I think it was iTunes, but, um, I haven't watched the new episode yet, but I've, I've been enjoying that one, which I said before. Um, I watched a few things. I don't know how long this episode is going to be because, um, like I said, I just felt like getting on here. I've got some, material to stimulate the old conversation 
uh, with some classic cinema and things like that. And then I found some more old magazines that I kind of wanted to look at. I just hit my glasses on the fucking microphone again. Um, for since it's October, um, I watched on. I found a gem on YouTube, and uh, it was the Aztec Mummy against uh, the humanoid robot from 1958, which is uh, la, la uh, Momilla Azteca contra el robot uh, humano, uh, and it is a. Um, See, I, I would always say Hispanic. Uh, and then someone, some people on a uh, wrestling group that I belong to, I said something about Hispanic, and they said, uh, you know, you don't say Hispanic anymore. It's uh, Latina, I guess. But I wasn't aware of that. You know, I mean, things change and how, what people want to be referred to or whatever. I have no problem with that. I was totally oblivious to it. We don't have a big Latin uh, or a Latino uh, population around here. So, you know, I was kind of ignorant about, uh, you know, what is c considered, you know, correct form or whatever, what they want to call it. Now, I will say this on um, IMDb, they rate the Aztec mummy against the humanoid robot uh, 2.5. Now, I was going to say, if that's 2.5 out of 5, I could maybe see that. That's 2.5 out of 10. I enjoyed the shit out of this. I thought it was fucking fun as hell, and it was hilarious. Um, it it kind of gets into the so bad it's good mode. I don't think it was as bad as like an Ed Wood thing where props and stuff are falling over and things like that. It's just the special effects and stuff are... are um, for the time, you know, 1958. And then um, I didn't even look up where this was made. It was directed by uh, Rafael uh, Portillo. And uh, the writers were Guillermo uh, Calderon and um, Alfredo Salazar. Let's see if we have any information on this. Um, it reminded me of like a, uh, you know... El Santo or Mil Mascaras type movie. So I was assuming it was made in um, Mexico. But we'll see. Oh, shit. I just went past the thing there. Dare boy. Dare bay. Trivia. What's going on here? First half of the film is a, a recap of the Aztec mummy from 1957. And the Curse of the Mummy from 1957. Or Curse of the Aztec Mummy. Uh, University of California, Los Angeles is mentioned by a scientist. University of Los Angeles. It doesn't really say, but I'm assuming that it was made in Mexico. Uh, lots of references here to pre-Columbian civilization, but that I don't think it was made in Colombia. I don't believe. Uh, hmm. You would think that these mother freakers would have some some pertinent information on here that I could uh, sop up like a gravy with a biscuit, if you will. Yes, here it is. It's, it's Mexico. Language is Spanish, baby. 
And uh, when you get down to it in Dusty Rhodes, he says, It's a cinematographico calderon essay. Well, as, and I'm not saying essay. I'm saying S period, A period. So don't give me no shit about that either, daddy-o. Uh, let me tell you something, Vivi. Looking down here, they got the um, Mandalorian on here. And that's another one that I have missed every bit of it. Because it's on a channel that I don't get. Game of Thrones, there is the Khaleesi. I watched the first season of that. And I know a lot of people really love it. Um, I think I, I don't know. I'm th I can't remember if I have more seasons of that or not. But I watched the first season when I used to like work out and ride uh, my gazelle uh, down in the basement. And then I never watched any more of it. So I'm not sure the Khaleesi. She was pretty good looking. She's very young. So I don't know, you know. Watching Jason Momoa pound her was kind of disturbing. Uh, he was very rough when he uh, took her for his wife. Uh, let's see here. Um, I was watching some uh, stuff about uh, the movie Brian's Song from 1971, uh, which was kind of the movie that launched James Caan into the stratosphere. Uh, and then right after that, he was, of course, Sonny Corleone and uh, The Godfather. But um, I remember when this was on TV and how sad it was, even watching it myself, and we watched it several times. Um, it, it was a made-for-TV movie, and it was very melodramatic. It's a true story. But my glasses keep hitting this song, bitch. How the hell can I f rectify the situation? Anyway... Um, but I haven't watched it in a long time now, so I don't know how it would come off now. I know they remade it for TV, I think, and with a young, you know, of course, a different cast. They're not going to have James Conner, Billy D. Williams playing Gail Sayers and Brian Piccolo uh, when they're fucking like 70 years old now. Uh, that would be kind of weird, especially since Brian Piccolo is dead. Oh, and Gail Sayers just died here like a week ago, I think. Um but it's about their friendship, and they were two professional football players in the United States, and they played for the Chicago Bears. Um, I think in the movie, they're both rookies, and they were the first players in the NFL that were um, of a different race. And I always hate saying that because they're humans, the human race. But uh, Gail Sayers was African-American, and Brian Piccolo was Caucasian. And that's how fucked up the the world was, or at least, you know, the United States was at that time, that they never had had a Caucasian player and an African-American player room together in training camp. So they had Brian Piccolo room with Gail Sayers, and they, they played the same position and everything, but Gail Sayers was like a phenom, the Kansas Comet, you know. he If you ever watch any video of him uh, playing football for... The Bears, I mean, it was just like unbelievable, his moves and everything. And he would, you know, just glide along, but he could just, you know, cut on a dime and it just make people miss like crazy. But he suffered a really bad, um, he was one, he still is and, you know, was one of the greatest running backs of all time. But he uh, got uh, uh, tackled and the guy hit into the side of his knee and it wrecked his knee. Now, if it was today with all the advances that they have made in knee surgery uh, through 
you know, they say a lot of the stuff that they've come up with has come from war, repairing guys that have been hurt in war, but also in pro sports where they have the best, you know, they have so much money invested in these athletes that they, you know, have the best um, surgeons and everything to repair these guys. But like uh, like another great movie star, <laughs> Joe Namath, uh, back in the day when you hurt your knee, like say you tore your ACL or NCL or something like that, they would have to cut your leg, you know, wide open. And it, and it, um, you, a lot of times, especially if you were a, uh, in a position that required, you know, a lot of speed and cutting, you know, uh, you know, making moves on the field and stuff like that, it would almost end your career almost every time. Um, because the surgery was so um, extreme, but not only that, they weren't that good at doing what they did. Now they do like a lot of times like that arthroscopic surgery, so they don't even make an incision. They put like about four holes in your leg and they go in with these like rods and they do all the surgery without even opening you up. So the recovery time's a lot better. But Gail Sayers, you know, suffered a really horrible knee injury. And then Brian Piccolo, who was his roommate and uh, best friend, um, helped him rehab that and everything. And like I said, that was his position too. But um, he was a good football player, but he was nowhere near as good as Gail Sayers, who was just, you know, like I said, a phenom. Um, Brian Piccolo then... um, He started losing, uh, you know, losing weight... And then he, you know, developed a really bad cough and everything. If you watch the movie, uh, that's one thing that I was bringing this up about is uh, I watched a video where a guy was talking about, you know, what really happened. Because in 1971, there was only so much they were going to show or talk about on network TV. So you saw James Conn's character, you know, he develops a cough and he's sitting on the sidelines and he's like, you know, like he can't catch his breath and he's coughing. He's like, I got this hay fever and everything. Well, the whole story was, you know, Brian Piccolo ends up having lung cancer and it was really sad um, because I saw this when I was a little kid. And, you know, of course, I think of James Conn and Billy D. Williams as being those characters. Uh, I didn't think of... um, Brian Piccolo as being as young as he was because I would, you know, James Conn was probably in his thirties when this was made. And uh, then I go back and read and I see the pictures of the real Brian Piccolo. And he did have a little bit of a receding hairline for as young as he was, but um, it's probably just genetics, but the guy was only 26 years old when he, you know, when he passed away, which makes it even sadder. But one thing they were saying was, um, again, they portrayed it that he had lung cancer and they went in and they, you know, he was in the hospital. He was going through these treatments and stuff like that. And then it just progressively got worse. They had to remove like one of his lungs. And, you know, again, he just got worse and worse and worse. But what they were saying in that video was, and my sister had the book that this was based on, which was called I Am Third, uh, that Gail Sayers wrote. And um, it was, let's see, I, you know, I Am Third was, you know, uh, 
God was first, his family was second, and he was third. That's how his, you know, his philosophy in life or whatever. Um, but what the guy said was, I guess Brian Piccolo at age 26, um, he actually had developed cancer in uh, testicular cancer. And then it just spread it, you know, I guess metastasized or whatever and started spreading to his organs and got up into his lungs and everything. Um, but of course, like I said, in 1971, a made for TV movie, you're talking about back in the day where they wouldn't even say damn or hell on TV, you know, and, uh, apparently the, the surgeries and stuff and, and what he went through was way, way worse than what they showed in the, uh, you know, TV movie. Uh, you know, he had, he had to have, you know, everything removed down there because he had testicular cancer. Then it spread, like I said, it had spread up into his lungs and he had like one lung removed, a mastectomy. And I can't remember what else, like parts of the muscle tissue and stuff up there. The guy said that if he had had that today in 2020, he probably would have survived it because it's one of the, and with early detection, it's one of the most curable types of cancer that you can get. Uh, but back then, um, it was, well, what, what he said was that there was, there was speculation that that doctor got a little too overzealous with like the amputations and stuff like that. Uh, like cutting out more than what he should have. Even back then, like I said, this was a, a, a lot more serious because of the, the treatment hadn't, uh, developed to what it is today. But um, even back then, what they were saying was the doctor should have looked at quality of life. Okay, I may not, okay, say they remove one of his lungs and they know that, it, you know, no matter what, it's spread to um, the point that they're not going to be able to save him. He's going to die. Uh, eventually anyway from this that maybe they could have say um, like I said with the testicular thing uh, removed the te- his testicles but maybe removed one lung or something but then thought about okay quality of life let's go ahead and try and see if we can give him or prolong his life um, for as long as we can instead because from what that guy was saying in that video was the surgeon did so much, um, which was never going to save him, but it basically sped up the, um, you know, his diagnosis that he was not going to make it. Whereas maybe, you know, and I don't know, like I said, that's just a video, but, uh, um, uh, that it, it, he may have been able to at least live and spend some more time with his, you know, family and friends and stuff like that, you know. Um, yeah, who knows? But anyway, it's a good movie. Again, I, I know that I watched it, I think, maybe when I was in college again, and it is very melodramatic if you watch it now, but I, re- I, mean, I literally remember people crying watching this because it was just so sad. And one of the good things about that, or good things about that, but one of the, uh, you know, as far as cinema goes, is that they develop that friendship on screen 
and you had the charisma, you know, James Caan had a lot of, you know, charisma, uh, being the kind of, uh, joking around smart aleck, but not, not as much smart aleck, but just joking around all the time and kind of more like a kind of a country, uh, boy kind of a thing. And Gail Sayers was real shy and wouldn't even hardly talk, but they kind of broke down those barriers and, you know, again, the racial barriers and things like that. But, uh, like I, like I said, I don't know if it would have the effect now, you know, that it did then, but it was a different time. So, but I, I, I haven't watched the new one. It, like I said, I think it was made maybe on USA Network or something. Um, but I might check that one out one of these days just to see what they do. And maybe they did, uh, maybe they did show a little bit more of the, uh, you know, the more of the adult kind of a, story uh, uh like i said mature themes you know but anyway i'm gonna get back here a little bit um i think i can't remember who it was if it was rolf or who it was watched knives out and um i watched that and i thought it was pretty good uh, i enjoyed it and uh that uh anna anna de armas uh, she is definitely now in this movie, you know, she's not portrayed like a sex symbol or anything. They really tone it down and she's kind of a, a little bit of a bumbling, uh, hero or whatever, you know, uh, the, uh, protagonist. Um, but I like, I mean, it's a great cast all the way through. And I know, uh, some people, you know, or somebody complained that, uh, there was a gimmick that they used, uh, they, started out at the beginning of the movie just to set up a something that happens, you know, toward the end, a, a kind of a goof kind of a thing. Um, it, that didn't really bother me that much at all. Um, I like, you know, the old Agatha Christ, Christie kind of whodunit, you know, Hercule Poirot and, uh, you know, Sherlock Holmes and things like that where you're just trying to figure out who, you know, the killer is and they weave, they give you red herrings and things like that. That, but it was a great cast. Actually, uh, now that I'm looking at the cast and everything now, I, I wouldn't mind watching it again. Um, Anna de Armas. The one th okay, of course, I loved her in uh, Blade Runner where she played uh, Blade Runner 2049 and she played um, Joy. Um, no Time to Die. That's the new James Bond movie. The It was a 50th anniversary. I have not course i'm not sure what month that's coming out i'll definitely watch it i've watched every james bond movie since they've made them um the um movie with uh, keanu reeves oh i saw her in hands of stone that was the one about uh roberto duran which you know i love that i mean, I, I don't i shouldn't say i love that movie i thought the movie was really good but roberto duran was like one of my favorite boxers of all time um what was it? Oh, Knock Knock. That was the one, maybe. I'm wondering if that's the first movie I saw her in. And um, I didn't know who she was until, again, I saw um, probably the one the one movie where that I saw her in where I got to know her name was Blade Runner 2049. But uh, she definitely, her and the other girl, uh, which was... Uh, Lorenza Izzo, I think, uh, definitely made an impression on me from the Keanu Reeves movie, Knock Knock, 
which I thought it's an Eli Roth written and uh, directed movie, but I thought it was fucking funny. I just thought it was, I don't think it, I don't know if it was supposed to be funny, but Keanu Reeves acting ability is always funny and fun to watch and to make fun of. Plus all the shit that he gets in because of his dick. Uh, yeah. And well, I don't mean that literal. Well, maybe it was, I don't know. They seem like they were doing lots of stuff. So maybe he did get some, uh, backdoor action. I'm not sure. Annabelle, that is that the scary movie? Annabelle and his two, Annabelle and his two roommates are looking for someone to share the rent. They choose an older gentleman, uh, who gained their trust, but soon they discover a strange and disturbing presence. Hmm. I don't know anything about that. I think that is a uh, Latino movie because I was thinking it was that scary movie, which I didn't see, you know, that I can't think spawned a bunch of different, uh, you know, horror movies. This was directed by Antonio Chastrachoras, written and directed by him, and it stars Ana de Armas, uh, Rocio Leon, and uh, Enrique Vienna. So I'm not sure. I wouldn't mind checking that out because I find her to be very attractive and I have not seen her in any foreign language films or foreign for me because I, I do not hablo. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. War Dogs. Was that the one with... Oh, I didn't see that, definitely, because what's his name... Uh, I don't know. I don't know if that would be any good. It, it kind of, to me, it looked like almost like, uh, uh, was it God of War? Oh, no, Lord of War with, uh, I know it's based on a true story, this one, War Dogs, uh, but it has uh, Jonah Hill and Miles Teller. And neither one of them are actors that I seek out. Miles Teller has basically became become one of those guys that I wonder why he gets hired so much because uh, the drumming movie, <laughs> whatever the fuck that was, uh, I did, he that movie was good, but it wasn't because of him. Um, he gets a lot of work. He's almost like a uh, like how I used to think of Shia LaBeouf, where he gets so much work. But I don't find him to be that talented. And I'll talk about another uh, maybe uh, guy or a couple of guys coming up on a movie I watched that I kind of feel the same way about. Uh, so I have not seen that, but she's in it. So hmm, maybe it's good, especially. She, oh, yeah, hmm. we there's a there's a group somewhere and I'm not going to say what it is or who it is, who's in it or anything like that. Um, but we discuss things like her career. <laughs> it's very attractive. Very nice looking lady. And probably so young that, you know, well, hell, it wouldn't matter if I was 25, if I was 30 years old or 25 years old, I still wouldn't be getting her. So who gives a shit? Uh, I can still and appreciate of an attractive woman. Um, Rolf went on a Cohen Brothers binge or still on it i believe and so i've kind of brought up some of those movies and he sent in some questions and i will answer those questions i haven't written down right here but i just kind of some of the movies i was looking at and you know like i said just trying to you know get some stuff to talk about 
the first one that I have down here is from uh, 2000, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Uh, directed by Joel and Ethan Cohen. Uh, writers, Homer, of course, The Odyssey, um, and Ethan Cohen kind of adapted Homer's uh, The Odyssey, but put it in um, probably, yeah, 1930s, uh, the American South, you know. So anyway, I really like this movie. It's um, part musical, but, uh, or well, I don't know if I would consider it a musical, but it has a lot of music in it. And the cast is great, and you see uh, some of the Coen's uh, mainstays like John Turturro and uh, Tim Blake Nelson, John Goodman, Holly Hunter. Um, of course, you know George Clooney has sort of become a Coen Brothers. He's been in a couple of their movies. Um, this is the better one of the two. Um, well, of the three, because he was also in the one with Brad Pitt, which. Also, I didn't think too much of but we'll talk about that in just a little bit because um, Rolf was asking me, you know, what ones I liked the best or, did, you know, the least and all that. Um, I thought this was pretty hilarious. It's a well-done movie, um, and I enjoyed the shit out of it. Um, I haven't watched it in a long time, and I'd like to watch it again. I, I, I love the music in it. It's almost like Eddie and the Cruisers where, you know, uh, I am a man of constant sorrow. I've seen trouble all my days. And I watched the you watch the movie and you think it's George Clooney singing it just like you thought that it was Michael Pere singing you know on the dark side and uh, Tender Years or whatever from Eddie and the Cruisers, then you find out that it wasn't them actually singing it and it's kind of like even when I see John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band singing on the dark side, I still in my head think of Michael Pere and Eddie and the Cruisers. Because I wish they would have done a Milli Vanilli <laughs> because they, uh, you know, of course, those guys are movie stars. Michael Pere is a good looking guy and everything. And he did a good job of, you know, pretending to sing just like George Clooney did in this. They had those big micro old microphones from the 30s. So, I mean, he's covering up a lot of his mouth when he's singing anyway. But I remember watching this and even a lady at work, when I told her, she goes, oh my God, she goes, George Clooney. She goes, I just loved watching him sing. He was just so good and, and he could sing so good. And I was like, that wasn't George Clooney. Kind of, And she kind of had the same reaction I had, which is, you know, like, oh, you know, and then you see the guys that the guy and the group that actually did the singing in it. And, um, you know, they're, they sound great. Like, like I said, it's almost like Millie Vanilli where, um, of course, they didn't have the, you know, any pretense that it was those guys. People just didn't know. Um, but it's like with Millie Vanilli, all those songs, they were pop songs and dance songs and stuff like that. But all those songs on the radio and everything, they got over. They were, people loved those songs. They loved the music. They loved the arrangement. They loved the voices and everything. So that's one thing when, when Millie Vanilli got like uh, Grammys and stuff like that, then they found out that the two guys uh, weren't the ones actually singing. They took the Grammys away, but I was like, you know, in a, in a world <laughs> where music videos didn't exist, those songs 
would have still that that group and those singers and musicians still would have gotten the Grammy because it was no matter what it was all about the music and music videos were all bullshit anyway they were short films portraying you know whatever michael jackson wasn't in a fucking street gang and you know going and having dance-offs and stuff like that and he wasn't a zombie and everything i know it's but i mean he actually did the singing but what i was saying what i'm saying is you know but i i know that there was a uh almost a fraud and a deception that went on there but when it came down to it, the music, I still listen to their fucking songs. And, you know, some people didn't listen to that kind of music to start with, and they wouldn't like it anyway. But I still think the, the tunes are catchy. They wouldn't have gotten over just having two guys get up there if they sounded like shit and the music wasn't any good. But like I said, that's kind of how, oh, brother, where art thou? Just with the, with the singing and everything. And they, you know, go to sleep a little baby. I think that was like Emmy Lou Harris. And uh, I believe, I can't remember who, who it was. If it was Roseanne Cash or, you know, I, I don't remember. Um but John Goodman's really good in this and uh, uh, George Clooney putting the fucking shit in his hair all the time, you know. And one of my favorite sayings, uh, uh, it's like a biblical saying that George Clooney kind of steals, you know, uh, when, you know, Jesus says, you know, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And <laughs> George Clooney's like, God, uh, uh, considers, <laughs> consider the lilies of the goddamn field. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's just a good movie altogether. Like I said, this is one I would like to go back and watch. I've watched, uh, I enjoy, the, well, I shouldn't say I enjoy all their movies so much that I've watched them over and over and over. The good ones I have watched over and over and over. This is one that I watched a bunch of times, but I've kind of put away and I haven't seen it in a long time, so. I would like to check it out or just watch it again because it's so much fun. Um, I watched a net, I think it's a Netflix original, um, which they do not have a good track record with me. Uh, there's a couple of them that aren't too bad, but so far most of their stuff that they put out uh, looks like it's, well, uh, some of it is, when I see the trailer or whatever, I think it's all, oh, this looks like it's going to be really good and really interesting. But then the movies end up being like a, you know, a five or a six or something like that, but nothing that ever has blown me away. And that's just off the top of my head. I'm sure there's probably a, f a few of them there that were, you know, uh, well, like the battle of uh, Buster Scruggs when we're talking about the uh, Coen brothers. I thought that was really good. That was, uh, you know, a series of short stories uh, but it was still, and there were some that were better than others, but that's one thing I liked about it was um, you had every story kind of had a different feel to it. You might have one that was really fucking hilarious and funny, but then you have one that, you know, is a, a lot darker and, you know, whatever. And, you know, just different feels for each one. So I appreciated that. Um, this was called The Devil All the Time from 2020. It's a rated R movie. Woo. Uh, written and directed by Antonio Campos. And uh, it was the screenplay was by Antonio Campos. And it stars Donald Ray Pollock, uh, Bill Skarsgård, Tom Holland. Um, what's the other guy's name? Batman, the new Batman. Sebastian Stan, who played Bucky in uh, the Marvel Comics movies. Jason Clark is a good one, a good actor. 
what the hell is that bastard's name? Robert Pattison. I mean, there's a bunch of people in it. Um, I have had this recommended to me, and I have read rave reviews on it on uh, IMDb. Um, as you know, and a lot of the reviews are. It's weird. It's like they're almost the same review, which sometimes everybody has their own taste and. Um, let me check something here real quick. I just want to make sure the goddamn thing's recording. <laughs> but um, everybody has their own taste. And just because I watch something and I don't like it or I think it's kind of like middle of the road and other people think it's great doesn't mean that they're full of shit or whatever. But sometimes when you're sitting there and you're reading, it's like when you buy something on Amazon um, and there's a bunch of reviews on there and they're all five-star. But almost every review is sort of the same. And I, I noticed that with like uh, on Howard Stern's Facebook page, you know, his show is nowhere near what it used to be. It's on Sirius XM. People, a lot of, some people don't even know that he still does a show. Um, you know, it's, it's nowhere near what it was when it, when he was in his heyday. And if you look on Twitter at his Twitter page, they'll post something and it might have 13 fucking hits on it. You know, and he was a, pretty big star at one time but then you go over to the facebook page and there's all these responses there'd be like 230 fucking responses and if somebody says something negative these people like jump all over them or when they're praising a skit or something that the post is about they all kind of sound the same so sometimes you wonder if they don't have people that are trying to raise the level up or to put false praise on there to make it look like they're getting more of a response and they have more of a, you know, saturation with the fans. Um, and that's sort of, like I said, with Amazon, you get on there and I think that they have actually, uh, tried to do something about that where they would hire, people would hire people to get on there and put positive reviews for their product. Um, and now, you know, it'll put on there whether you are a confirmed confirmed buyer of that product or if you're not. So they're trying to kind of give people a little insight, you know, whether it's um, just if it's fake or if it's real. Now this movie, I, it didn't work for me. I thought it could be way better. Um, and I did hear some other people say this, if it was, if they would have done this like uh, true detective, where they had like a five or a six or seven or eight or whatever, how many episode short series for cable or something. Uh, it seemed like it had a lot more. It, it either needed to be edited down because the motherfucker was two hours and 18 minutes long. I was an hour into this son of a bitch and I looked at the goddamn time and I'm like, God damn, I, ha I almost have another hour and a half to watch of this. And um, it starts out kind of slow. And I think it needed some editing again, where I, th I, I th if they would have shaved it down to an hour and a half, 
it would have been and cut out some of the stuff. I it's almost like when I was talking about uh, Costner with the Wyatt Earp movie, and he goes all the way back to when he's a kid, and Kevin Costner is like forty or fifty fucking years old in the god in, in real life, and he and they're making him play Wyatt Earp when he was like sixteen. Um, it goes. <sighs> Again, just with editing, there's there's things that they could have left out and gotten to the point a lot quicker. Or, again, if this is based on a novel, they could have stretched it out and made it a, 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 a miniseries. Uh, and then they could have gotten more in-depth to some of these characters and had you spend a little bit more time with them and developed it. One of the things that I heard is that people were like, oh my God, the cast, this is such, even the people that put it down said the cast is so great, man, what a fucking cast. Uh, but they blew it. You know, they were saying some of the things that I said about why they didn't think it was as good, but the cast was so fucking good. And Tom Holland really proved his chops and, um, uh, Robert Pattinson. Oh my God. He was so fucking good. He was just outstanding and everything. And I just didn't get it. I mean, I don't, I don't know, you know, um, I don't think either one of those guys in the things that I've seen him in, neither one of them have blown me away to where I was like, you know, jacking off like, Oh my God. And again, that's like that fucking other fucker that was, (laughs) I was just miles teller or Shia LaBeouf, uh, before them. I don't know. I don't know if these guys, I mean, you look at Keanu Reeves. Okay. I will say about Keanu Reeves, he has a certain charisma about him, even though he can't act for shit. Uh, You know, he's had to work his ass off to, you know, kind of get out of the surfer boy, whoa, you know, kind of a thing. Uh, but I can watch Keanu, a Keanu Reeves movie, you know, like John Wick, where he, uh, like a, a good action movie like that. And I've seen him in some other stuff. That movie Siberia or Cy, was this the Siberian or Siberia or something like that. It wasn't, it wasn't like one of his bigger hits or whatever. I think it went straight to DVD. But he wasn't, he's not horrible. He has a certain presence and everything. These guys, it's like, now this Patterson, um, I saw him in that uh, Rover movie with Guy Pierce, and he played kind of a dim witted guy, and he wasn't bad. Uh, that was one of the better things I've seen him in, but he was kind of playing a, uh, like I said, kind of a dim witted uh, American, you know, redneck guy in this, he kind of puts on a, you know, redneck, he's a redneck preacher. Um, it wasn't that he was bad again. I just think that the movie was just not done well. The, the costumes and when they, you know, every, the, the locations and everything were, were good. Um, even with, uh, Tom Holland, I don't think he did a bad job. I just don't see where people were like, Oh my God, they were so great. Oh my God. Both of them were so fucking good. They, uh, uh, just outstanding. They really showed, you know, they really spread their wings and all this and that. I just didn't see that at all. Uh, again, I just think that the script and the, 
need for for it to be either edited down or expanded uh and made like i said a mini series that um it just was not done well um and if it would have been an hour and a half movie of with this with this same um content use all the same scenes but cut stuff out i probably would have rated it uh better hmm. maybe like a mid 6 6 6 6.5 or something like that but because it was so fucking long and there were parts in it where it just i was getting fucking bored and, and and again that might be something where it i was kind of a captive audience and once i started it i was like okay i'm going to i want i want to watch the whole thing but i was literally like come fucking on you know which that drug it down to just uh an average to maybe below average movie then this is just a pet peeve this is this didn't have as much to do with um why i didn't think it was that good but at the beginning uh, they have a well. They have a lot of narration in it, and it, that's one of those things where you know if you have to narrate, you know. But the guy at the beginning, and I read that the author of this actually lived in um, this Knockamstiff, uh, Ohio, which is you know right beside Mead, Ohio. And they showed a map at the beginning, and they have the map in West Virginia at this one point, and they scan across over to this Mead, Ohio, and then they show that Knock'em Stiff. Well, apparently Knock'em Stiff was a real, is a real place, and Mead, Ohio is a real place. And I live in fucking West Virginia, and where they showed on the map where they started, I know where that place is. The guy said, now, of course, this movie starts back in, say, the... I don't know, like the fifties. And he said from this place in West Virginia, which was called coal, coal Creek. And there isn't a coal Creek, but again, they showed the map and they showed where, you know, where it was or whatever, uh, supposed to be. Um, they said it took, it took 10 hours to drive from there to Mead, Ohio. And again, num- number one, as I said on Facebook, I lived right on the Ohio River uh, in West Virginia, right across from Ohio for 18 years of my life. Then uh, where I live now is only like 100 miles from there. But if you take the southernmost point of West Virginia, which is one of the furthest places away from this Mead, Ohio, now, I know we have the interstate system and, you know, highway system now and everything, but it would still only take you like three hours to go from the furthest place to meet Ohio. If you go to the furthest place east in West Virginia, which is over close to like Washington, D.C. Um, and Cumberland, Maryland and around that area, um, it's still only going to be, I think that was like five and a half hours. So, you know, again, maybe they're taking into account, you know, it was in 1950 and you had backcountry roads and, you know, rural, uh, rural roads and stuff like that. I don't know, but I'm like, man, would that, would that, and where, where they showed on the map where this took place was, um, oh, I'm thinking probably 
an hour away from where I live. So, I mean, it's just, there was, that was kind of something. And again, that's where the guy said he was from. And this was, you know, it's kind of like a nasty, not a noir, but a nasty, um, oh, what would you call it? Um, kind of a, 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 like the, the deep, dark underbelly of, you know, rural America. There's something there. There's a good story there. And it, and it, like I said, I, it just wasn't done well, I don't think. Maybe it was the director, you know, I don't know. Um, next thing is a Rolf movie, uh, The Big Lebowski from 1998. Um, and I just was looking here, you know, of course, Jeff Bridges plays the dude. And uh, I think that he uh, posted this week that he was diagnosed with lymphoma and uh you know for what it's worth you know when you're on facebook or something and you put you know thoughts and prayers or you know rest in peace or best wishes or whatever you know i always like jeff bridges even all the way back to like rancho deluxe and thunderbolt and lightfoot and uh you know when he was uh you know first coming up winter winter kills and um but, uh, you know, of course, wish him all the best. Uh, a very talented uh, actor, and um, he really has entertained all of us, I think, uh, for a long, long time. So hopefully he'll be able to, um, you know, fight the good fight and have a, uh, you know, long, happy rest of his life. Um, and he seems like a good dude, as I said, dude here, watching the dude. Um Big Lebowski, of course, directed, uh, written and directed by uh, Joel and Ethan Cohen. This fucking movie, to me, it's just it's just hilarious. Um, I think I have come across some people that didn't like it. Um, I can't think of anybody in particular, but I do. I, for some reason, I'm remembering that uh, there were some people that I've heard online that that didn't like it that much. I just think it's fucking funny as shit. Um, the cast is great. The dude, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like a, a, a old Raymond Chandler, you know, uh, I can't remember what movie I actually saw the fucking movie that it's, it's based on. Um, but off the top of my head, I'm trying to think which one it was. If it was, um, goddamn dude, dude. The Dude Abides. <laughs> the Dude Abides is a reference to Ecclesiastes uh, one generation passes away and another generation comes uh, but the earth abides forever. Well, the Dude Abides. Uh, I didn't know that. I need to, I need to look at uh, some of this. Uh, yeah, Raymond Chandler. That's what I just said. So, fuck it. <laughs> But the dude plays, he's, like I said, he instead of them having like Humphrey Bogart, he is thrust into that position, which is kind of funny because he's just such a fucking slacker and stuff. Um, a little uh, side note. Oh, I watched this with my mom and she said that um, Walter, the character played by um, John Goodman, reminded her of my dad. Uh, so if that says anything to you about, um, you know, my dad, uh, it's just got, it's, this is one of those movies that is just so full of, um, 
it's kind of like raising Arizona where there's just so many things you could just sit here and go over, you know, one-liners and memory, you know, scenes from the movie and things like that. The Tara Reed scene, which she wasn't even in it that much, but it was fucking hilarious. Uh, Stormar's in it, uh, and he's like a uh, uh, a Coen Brothers favorite. Uh, you have the uh, have Flea, <laughs> uh, John Turturro. Let's see who else is in this song, bitch. Uh, of course, late great Philip Seymour Hoffman, Steve Buscemi. Julianne Moore. I mean, it's just a good movie. I, I I love it. I've watched it a million times. I've actually thought about going to uh, Dude Fest or whatever the fuck it is, Lebowski Fest, um, which I think would be funny now with COVID. Uh, and I just found out uh, probably about an hour ago uh, that my brother-in-law um, tested positive for COVID and he is actually sick right now. Um from what I talked to my sister, what it's, um, you know, right now he just feels like he has the flu, um, headache and, um, I think muscle aches, headache, sneezing, coughing a lot. Uh, and her and my niece are going to go get tested, uh, today. So, and they're all three quarantined. So hopefully we're going to wish them all the, you know, best quick recovery and for my brother-in-law and hopefully everything will be okay there. Um, we're starting to see where I live. Uh, it's not a huge population, and we haven't had that much um, spread. Uh, but over the past couple of weeks, just even where I work, uh, I've, uh, I know that um, I think my brother-in-law said, or um, they had, my sister had said that um, his boss actually has it right now and got it from his wife. So you see the, you know, bam, bam, bam connection there. And again, just it was uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, a guy I work with directly with. Um, and it was a night that I was there. Me and my friend uh, Gina um, has it. And he missed like a couple of weeks of work. And um, I felt pretty fine. Um, but, you know, just had like, like I said, just from. This weather changing, a lot of times with the barometric pressure, with the change in the weather, extreme change in the weather from 34 degrees to 83 degrees and things like that. Sometimes I think it's like a sinus thing where it just makes you feel like shit all the way around. Um, I had felt like that for a couple of days right after that. And um, I didn't go get tested, number one, because the lady or the lady that I work with, it's my friend. Uh, she went and got tested uh, with a quick test and it tested negative. And then because it's not as reliable, if you test negative with that one, they give you the, the more extensive test, which it takes a while for it to come back. And both of hers came back negative and we sat right beside each other. So, um, you know, I just thought, okay, I went two weeks and I felt pretty good. Now today, the um, I feel pretty good now. Uh, last night, I just, like I said, I think it's that just that change in the weather. But once I took Mary for a walk and came back and, you know, kind of took a little rest and got something to eat, I feel pretty good. So I think I should be okay there. Um, the next thing I watched, but what I was going to say was, you know, uh, just this with the Lebowski fest where everybody gets together, you know, we, we went, you know, to horror hound or, um, you know, um, um, Pensacon, uh, Pensacon, which our friend Mike Ensley does down in Pensacola, Florida every year. Um, 
I know that he posted a thing about that here recently. Um, and the wrestling conventions and stuff that Loaf and I used to go to, a lot of that stuff has really, uh, whether it's comic book conventions or concerts or whatever, you know, this COVID thing has really, or, or you know, sports has really affected everything. Um, I still have, you know, I'll go to the store, you know, in the morning, wear my mask and everything. And, uh, but I'm pretty much quarantined and still, um, you know, so I'm not around that many people. I'm not around hardly anybody except Mary. And, uh, <laughs> and then like maybe once every couple of weeks, you know, just go into work. And then like I said, try and be careful there. Uh, six feet apart, wear mask and everything. Um, but it kind of sucks, you know, because you see things like that that look like they're a lot of fun where they'll have it like at a bowling alley. Uh, I think Jeff Bridges has actually showed up and some of the people that were in the movie have showed up uh, and people dress up like the characters from the movie. And to me, it's just all, you know, fun to go to things like that. Um, the next movie I watched, it is on Prime. I um, when I saw the trailer for it, I thought, well, eh, maybe I'll check this out. Um, but then I again, I wanted to wait. And I just saw that it showed up on Prime, and it's a Force of Nature uh, from 2020, and this um, stars Mel Gibson and Emile Hirsch, and the skinny girl, which her name is Kate Bosworth. And I say the skinny girl, I'm not fat shaming or body shaming or whatever. Um, I just remember when she first started out, and she was in the uh, lady, a uh, lady. Some people would th- say that was, you know bad to say uh the woman um surfer movie with michelle rodriguez i think you know she looked really good and then she just got really scary thin almost like uh jennifer conley kind of got like that too um uh, you know and you kind of wonder what what's going on there is it some kind of body dysmorphia thing or you know who knows maybe you, what they're going through again we have so much stuff about you know body shaming and stuff like that that uh you know, you, you, you don't want to say too much, you know, even if you're just more concerned or you think, you know, they would, maybe they're not healthy or there's something going on. But anyway, I know a lot of, there were several people that uh, said they wouldn't watch this movie, don't want to watch it. Uh, number one, can Mel, Mel Gibson and um, also Emile Hirsch. Uh, I'm not so sh- I'm not as sure what's going on with Emile Hirsch. Um, so it's, you know, i I plead the fifth because um, I don't remember what he did that people are kind of disgusted with him. Let me look it up. Give us something to talk about. Like here, here it goes. Uh, Google. Google. <laughs> Emil Hirsch. He's our, I mean, uh, he's, uh, I'm trying to think what movies. The one, the uh, Matthew McConaughey chicken uh, dick chicken leg dick <laughs> movie um he was pretty good in that and um that one uh alpha dog he was i that movie wasn't a bad movie um it's just that i found most all the people in it uh were just annoying fucking douchebags um people that i would really just despise even fucking being around which i guess it's based on a true story so they probably were um let me think let's see what's going on here assault conviction hirsch was charged with aggravated assault after attacking and choking paramount pictures executive danielle burnfield 
in 2015 at a uh, Tao nightclub in Park City, Utah. The assault may have been caused by tainted stimulants, which Hirsch consumed while extremely inebriated. As after the event, he did not remember what had happened. He pled guilty to a misdemeanor assault and was sentenced to 15 days in jail. He was also fined $4,750 and received 90 days of probation. In order to undergo 50 hours of community service, Hirsch entered rehab, a rehab facility following the assault. So, yeah, that's not good. Um, man, I've been having... I know when I'm on here, I fucking all I talk about is probably my pains and being sick and stuff, but my shoulder and like my int from like my right shoulder, my collarbone into my neck and my trapezia and everything has been kind of fucked up and it's, it's just been bugging me. And, uh, I don't know if it was from riding that motorcycle the other day for so long or what, sometimes that where the throttle is your right hand. So you pretty much have to keep your right hand on that handlebar. And it's just like using the mouse all the time. Uh, when I use the mouse too much on just like a desktop computer, that muscle in my neck, that trapezia will get real tight. Um, so it's probably something to do with that. And then when I used to box, uh, just hitting the one heavy bag that we had at the gym, I mean, just one that you would normally have like in your house might be anywhere from a small one, which be like uh, 40 pounds. And then I had one that was like 90 pounds. Well, this one that they actually had at the gym uh, was huge and it was probably about 180 pounds. And I used to bang that motherfucker, you know, every day, both hands and everything. But I think that um, some of the problems that I have with that muscle right there is just for, and my shoulder and stuff is from hitting, you know, I'm right-handed. So I would throw, you know, my hooks and stuff like that with my right hand and really hard. And it, I think just the, um, um, like the, I say reverberation, but just the, the jolt going up into your arm and everything. And I got a lot there for a while where I was just, you know, I wouldn't fight left-handed uh, sparring or hitting the bag or anything like that. I always was right-handed, but I would just, you know, throw a lot of jab jabs with the left hand and hooks with the left and stuff like that. And just, you know, most of the hooks with the right hand or not, not it was either straight rights or if I hooked or uppercut with the right hand would be more with my you know, shoulder in there real tight. So it'd be like short punches, you know, instead of, you know, extending my arm more. But anyway, so that's bugging the fuck out of me. Like right now, <laughs> um, Emil Hirsch, let's see, uh, that into the wild was a pretty good movie. Uh, got a lot of nominations and everything based on a true story. Speed racer. I know Sammy really liked that one. And I think that was, that's probably one that would be really good to watch in like, uh, you know, like 4K. Uh, I watched the cartoon all the time when I was a kid. Loved Racer X and uh, Chim Chim and uh, Sprite, or it was a Spritel and uh, Trixie. Um, but I couldn't get into the movie that much. And again, I think it's kind of like a visual spectacular. So maybe I'll give that another try. I was actually thinking about buying a new TV. Uh, mine's pretty old, but it still works. 
And the thing is, um, most of the time I'll be sitting there fucking around on my iPad and half-ass paying attention watching YouTube anyway. So I'm like, why? But there's one that I found. Um, oh, what is it? It's a, I have a Samsung smart TV, but it's a smaller one down in the basement. Um, and I found a Samsung um, smart TV that's like 65 inches, but it's the curved screen. And I know a lot of people really like the curved screen better than just the flat screen. And uh, they have 2019s and 2020s, but it's 4K and everything. Like I said, a smart TV. I've actually thought about maybe getting the 2019 because the price is lower. Um, it's not that much, you know. I think it was like um, maybe like 600 bucks, close to, right around there. And, uh, well, no, it was a little bit less than that because uh, the 2020 one was like 677 I think this one maybe, maybe it was closer to 5 but anyway, I'm just thinking about it, and I'll I'll talk my talk myself out. Killer Joe was the uh, chicken finger, <laughs> wasn't a chicken finger. It was actually a chicken leg, um, puss thing. Um, what was her name? That what's her name in that uh, with the teeth? Uh, Gina Gershon. She always she's she's a very good looking lady. Um, she's 58 years old. I could probably get her. <laughs> Yeah, I know I could. <laughs> she was in Red Heat with, uh, I believe that is, uh, I wonder if Jim Belushi got her. That'd be kind of kind of interesting. Jim Belushi, Schwarzenegger, Jim Belushi, and Gina Gershon in a threesome. DP action there, of course. You know, that's one thing I was thinking is, um, I think Rolf and uh, some of the others that enjoy the porn reviews... <laughs> I was since I started the show back up. Uh, I was thinking, you know, maybe I need to do some porn reviews. But and and you know what the thing about that is, on um, several of the free, of course, you know, streaming sites, they have full length, fucking hour and a half. You know, the old movies from like the seventies or the eighties or whatever, where it wasn't just you know scenes. It was like a full length movie and everything. So maybe I'll maybe I'll will review some. I'm trying to think if I've watched anything lately that had anything like that. I'll think about it as we're going along here. Uh, let's see. What else was uh, this douchebag in? Um, that's one thing. When you're talking about, okay, I'm totally against uh, men hitting women. Had a little bit of, I've had this conversation a couple times um, with some friends where I would actually say, you know, I was just brought up that you don't hit women. Um, and then of course somebody will chime in. Well, I remember one time this girl hit so-and-so and he hauled off and hit her back. And he said, you're going to fight like a man. You're going to get hit like a man or whatever. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I just, I can subdue a woman with my, you know, with my, if I had to, or if it was like, you're getting attacked, like you have to fight back. I could, I could subdue somebody without punching them, um, you know, by putting them in some kind of a fucking hold or whatever, get them down on the ground, put them in a hold where, you know, I'm big enough that I could do that. Um, but but it, if you, 
like if if I was with a girl and she hauled off and fucking hit me, number one, I would fucking. I mean, if it was like really bad, like uh, somebody was drunk or something like that, and they hauled off, like you know, and I know some girls that could fucking really fucking hit, you know, like punch you in the arm or something like that, and you're like, God damn, you know, fuck. Um, so I imagine, you know, if they hit you in, you know, cold cocked you in the fucking face or something, it would probably fucking hurt. But, um, I would walk away and I would fucking call a cop. (laughs) You know, there, there's no sense. That's another thing, you know, in this conversation is, um, guys can suffer from, you know, domestic abuse too, or violence like that. Just because you're a woman, doesn't mean that you have the right to fucking go up and no matter how big a guy is, if a guy was as big as big John stud and, uh, the, the woman was, uh, you know, five foot five, 130 pounds. And she comes up and kicks him in the fucking balls or fucking punches him right in the fucking face. Um, you know, that's, that's assault. I don't give a fuck, you know, uh, but, but I wouldn't expect him to haul off and with all his, might because what we were i saw a video the other day and i think it took place in i don't know if it was hong kong or um singapore or where it was it was in uh you know like in east asia it's what it looked like i mean it may have been in uh uh chinatown and in an american city i don't know but it looked like it took place in like a a uh, maybe a chinese restaurant or it could have been a japanese restaurant because there was no audio uh, it was like a security camera where a couple of guys came into this restaurant and just started beating the fuck out of these people. And there was a, a, a woman sitting by herself in a booth, like eating her meal. And the guy came over and grabbed her by the back of the hair and just started smashing, horribly violent, smashing her face into the fucking table. And then rips her out of the booth, throws her on the ground and starts fucking punching her as hard as he can in the face. And she just looked like an innocent bystander when the, when the confrontation was going on with, with like another guy or another woman or whatever, I think it was another guy maybe over to the, to the side. She was just eating her meal. Like, you know, like, uh, you know, an innocent bystander. And this guy came over and just started wailing on her. And to see a man, just, you know, physically manhandle a small woman like that, throw her to the ground, start punching her in the face, and then start stomping her, kicking her like a fucking football in the face. And, and you know, number one, I guess maybe I actually just have empathy, but I, it, it just made me sick to my stomach. And then I felt so bad. And, and you're just, and of course, it's just a video. I mean, not just a video. It actually was happening. It was real. But, you know, you just think, God damn, I just, you know, I'd like, if you just, you just want to help her and you're like, what the fuck? Um, but so anyway, with this Emil Hirsch thing, um, you know, he could say, and, and maybe he was intoxicated and maybe, but you know, I know guys, um, that go out and just get shit faced drunk. I remember when, you know, I worked up at my friend's bar, um, you know, just watching the door and, you know, checking IDs and stuff like that. And then sometimes, you know, jumping behind the little small bar up at the front of the bar and selling beer and stuff like that. Um, 
you know, I remember one time a guy and a girl were getting in an argument off to the side of the building in the parking lot. And of course we're standing over there and we're just like, you know, what the fuck's going on? And kind of, there was a group of people and we walked over there and they're just yelling at each other, you know, and I think, I don't know what was going on. It was like a, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend thing, but it's kind of like a domestic thing. And they're yelling at each other and we're like, Jesus fucking Christ, you know, but the guy hauls off out of the blue, you know, you didn't even expect it. And he was kind of a tall, skinny guy. Um, and this girl looked like, you know, maybe like a little cheerleader girl or something like that. And he just hauled off with from a haymaker and fucking just knocked the shit out of her, knocked her out. And when she fell, there was like those concrete uh, parking, uh, like the thing that you pull your car up to in a parking space, but it's like, you know, concrete Right there, a barrier, little thing. And uh, she came, I mean, within an inch of fucking hitting that. And if she would have hit the corner of that with her head, it could have killed her. The punch alone could have killed her. This fucking coward motherfucker, we go down there, and we're going to beat his ass, and he takes off fucking running. And, you know, before we even got close, he was halfway down the block. And then we're like, you know, of course, yelling, you know, Want, tell him to come back because we were going to beat his ass and he wouldn't come back and everything. And then the cops came and everything. We told him we knew who it was and everything. But to me, that's just, you know, you're just a piece of shit. You're just a fucking gutless fucking piece of shit. I don't care if that girl, if you caught her sucking some guy's dick, Jim Belushi and Arnold Schwarzenegger were fucking double penetrating her or whatever. And you walk in on it. You don't have the, you know, you just leave. And if it's something that bad, um, you you just fucking leave. It's not she's not for you. Or if you got caught and she's giving you shit, you take the shit. Now, if she starts punching you and stuff like that, you leave. If you want to call the cops or whatever on her or whatever and press charges, that's fine too. But you don't, you know, nothing. You don't handle anything with violence except self defense or defending somebody else. You know. So anyway, I'm you know on my fucking soapbox here. Savages. I that movie. What's her name? Blake Lively just fucking annoyed me so much um, in that one. That could have been way better, and which is which is weird to say because it is Oliver Stone, but I it, there was a Benicio del Toro's character was great in that. It could have been so much better, and 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 I don't know. I just. They went for that uh, polyamory or whatever threesome relationship, uh, which was interesting. And I know she was playing a surfer girl, stoner, and everything, but fuck, she got on my nerves so bad. I want, I, I just didn't. I mean, I was like, fuck it. I don't want to say I wanted them to kill her, but. Uh, Lone Survival with Emile Hirsch. I thought that movie sucked. That's another one that could have been better. And then, I, of course, I have read so many things about um, how a lot of the story was bullshit. And it was kind of like the um, American Sniper guy where, you know, well, I said it in, I think, the last episode or something where if the real story is this, you know, maybe... Embellish because you want it to be entertaining. Um, and I think I was kind of dogging on that a little. Well, no, I wasn't. I, I was, I think that's what these guys did. As far as if you go back and look at the record and people that were there that came back and said, okay, they said there was a thousand Taliban or whatever coming. And they show those guys like, 
leaping off the side of a mountain and just, you know, crashing down, you know, and over and over and over to get away from them and everything. And people were saying that we're actually there and that we're in that rescue mission and everything that, uh, the numbers didn't add up, that there wasn't that many people that they, you know, some of the stuff that they did in there, which is just Hollywood. They added and embellished a lot of the, uh, the things and that didn't happen. Same thing with the American sniper guy. Some of the stuff that he said that he did, um, like where, you know, when the hurricane happened, he said he got up on top of the fucking, uh, Superdome and was like fucking killing looters, which would be a fucking crime. <laughs> you know, he's not a law enforcement officer or anything. And then he said something about, uh, I can't remember if he chased some guy down and killed him or something, uh, and the cops let him off because he was a Navy SEAL in the United States. You know, it's bullshit. Uh, that's kind of how I felt about that lone survivor. And I didn't like the casting. Uh, Emil Hirsch just kind of looks like a little douche. And Mark Wahlberg's a douche. And Ben Foster's a douche. Uh, Taylor, what's his face? John Carter, Warlord of Mars. Taylor, the fuckhead's name? Taylor Kish. I don't mind him that much, but he's another one. He gets a lot of work and I'm not sure exactly why he, I think he was an it guy for somebody and they were giving him a push. Uh, maybe some of the projects like uh, battleship and uh, I like John Carter and I, I, I actually liked him as Gambit in the um, Wolverine movie. Uh, some people didn't, uh, but I, I didn't mind him at all. Uh, Eric Bana was in that. Um, I like him, but he's not as great as what <laughs> either. <laughs> uh, what else we got here with these fuckheads? Uh, Milk, that was a good movie. Um, Sean Penn kind of bothered me with that because I think he's kind of a douche. I think he's a really good actor, but I think that you know he plays Harvey Milk, and then I believe that he kind of had made some really homophobic comments or something. And I thought, you know, how you're, you're playing Harvey Milk, who was a, you know, LGBT um, activist kind of pioneer, uh, you know, who died tragically. But if I remember correctly, didn't he get in trouble for for saying something that was really homophobic or something. I, I'm trying to think. I can't remember now. Samoan ban. Samoan censorship board banned the film without giving a reason. Samoan human rights activist Ken Mo Maola uh, disputed the ban, commenting it's really harmless. I don't know how... It would affect Samoan lifestyle. It is totally different and not applicable here. I don't even know what fucking movie they're talking about. <laughs> Something about a Samoan ban. What movie are we talking about here, people? Was it Milk? Apparently, well, yeah, I guess. I thought it was on the Sean Penn page. I'm on the Milk page. For some reason, the uh, Samoans didn't like this. Or the Samoan censorship board. Let's see what it says here. This is interesting. Um, the Pacific Freedom Forum issued a press release stating that uh, Samoa 
is the only nation worldwide where censors have specifically banned multi-academy award-winning film, multi-academy award-winning film, limiting Samoa to, um, wait a minute, limiting Samoa to smuggled and pirated versions. American Samoa, uh, Samoan, Monica Miller, the forum co-chair, stated, observers are left to wonder at the censorship standards being applied in a country where Fa'afafina have a well-established and respected role. Fa'afafina are biologically men raised, are biological men raised to assume female gender roles, making them a third gender well accepted in Samoan society. Fa'afafina Association also criticized the band, describing it as a rejection of the idea of homosexuality. Uh, principal censor Leuatoa Nia Apu released the reason for the ban, saying the film had been deemed inappropriate and contradictory to Christian beliefs and Samoan culture. In the movie itself, it is trying to promote the human rights of gays. Some of the scenes are very inappropriate in regard to some of the sex in the film itself. Is very contrary to the to uh, the way of life here in Samoa. Hmm. And it says something about Samoan society, uh, in the words of the BBC, deeply conservative and devoutly Christian. Well, fuck you. Uh, and that's how I feel about that. <laughs> I thought it was a very good movie. Uh, and I've I think uh, let's see, I wanted to see about that Sean Penn thing I was talking about. I don't want to be talking out of my ass. Criticisms of President Bush. Well, I expect that. Support of same-sex marriage. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. That's why I wanted to wanted to um, clear that up. I might be thinking about somebody else because I just thought it was weird that um, he would play Harvey Milk, but then. Who am I thinking of? Am I thinking of like Wahlberg? Controversies. Defense of Hugo Chavez. Falcon Islands controversy. Oscar Green Oscar Green card joke. Okay, he made some... Who gave this son of a bitch his green card? He was talking about presenting an award to Mexican Alejandro Gonzalez Inarritu. Who, what movie did he make? For Birdman. Oh, okay. And he made a joke about who gave that son of a bitch his green card. Lee Daniels. In an interview, director and showrunner Lee Daniels responded to criticism about Terrence Howard's continued career in light of domestic violence issues. Well, we're talking about that again. Uh, by referencing Penn's rumored history of domestic violence. Because, of course, they said that he tied Madonna to a chair and beat the shit out of her. Like, you know, that's kind of like kidnapping and assault and who knows what. Um, because he thought she was doing stuff. I don't know. Uh, Terrence ain't done nothing different than Marlon Brando or Sean Penn. And all of a sudden, he's a fucking demon. In response, Penn launched a $10 million defamation suit against Daniels, alleging that he had never been arrested for or charged with domestic violence. Penn dropped the lawsuit in 2016 after Daniels retracted the statement. And then the El Chapo thing. I may just be wrong. 
I could be wrong. I'm Dr. Zom. He supports same-sex marriage. Uh, I think that uh, it is a good time for those who voted for the ban against uh, gay marriage to sit and reflect and anticipate their great shame. And, oh, God damn it. Let me, let me just... Um, I don't like his mustache. I'll tell you that. I think he looks better without that fucking mustache. That doesn't have anything to do with the price of eggs in China. Uh, Google. Scene pen. He hates when people bring up Spicoli. Um, Sean Penn's son hurls racist homophobic slurs at paparazzo. Mickey Rourke campaigns for Oscar by calling Sean Penn, trashing Sean Penn's performance in, well, what's this all about? Mickey Rourke and Sean Penn had a, uh, he can't, can't oh, 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 okay. Mickey, this is what I, this is what I was thinking of. Mickey, God damn it. Now it's one of those things where, Okay, I can click off of it. I was going to say, right when you start to read, a thing comes up and says to subscribe or something. Um, the Daily Beast obtains text messages from our favorite local comeback kid, Mickey Rourke, trashing Sean Penn's performance in Milk and calling him a homophobe. It's ironic that Rourke is freely castigating people as homophobes when he was the one caught on tape calling a reporter a faggot uh, just a few months ago. But it's not surprising. Rourke knows he'll be... Uh, up for best actor for the wrestler. Um, what did he say though? Did he say mention? Let's see. Okay, here it is. Now I'm continually annoyed by the always self-righteous Sean Penn. But that aside, I am really annoyed by. This feeling that giving him another Oscar after they already gave him uh, Bill Murray's will somehow be Hollywood's fuck you to everyone who voted uh, for Prop 8, perhaps some repentance by uh, choosing whatever gimmick, gimmicky crap crash was over Brokeback Mountain three years ago. But what did he say? Why did he say that he was... Come on, mother freaker. And he doesn't look good with a mustache either. And his face looks horrible. He said that he had to get uh, plastic surgery because of boxing, and that was all bullshit. He's like um, Robert Evans and uh, Alan Delon and these guys that got so much plastic surgery that they start looking freaky. But he never boxed that fucking much. And he lied about fucking all his entire boxing career when he said that he was in golden gloves and all this shit in Florida and everything. And his own uncle uh, fucking said that he fucking lied and that he made he made up like his own past so that when he got into boxing and then like Ray, that's what I was telling somebody when Ray Boom Boom Mancini, when Mickey Rourke was training for these so-called fights. They put him in there with some guy who had never fucking fought before in his life. And the guy would, and, and his, he was horrible. I mean, when you watch him, it's like, uh, you know, I'm sorry, but if you used to supposedly you were in golden gloves and everything, he fought, he was horrible. He looked like he had never fucking boxed before. Uh, Mickey Rourke. Let's see. 
Sean's an old friend of mine, and I didn't buy his performance at all and thought he did an average pretend acting like he was gay. Besides, he's one of the most homophobic people I know. So he might he might not have cited anything, but maybe when they used to hang out together, Sean Penn used to say stuff. I don't know. But again, I wasn't wrong. I, Dr. Zom is always right. Don't forget that. Let's get back to Force of Nature. We, we went all the way around Emile Hirsch and all that stuff and skinny what's-her-face and, um, you know, Mel Gibson. I didn't even talk about Mel Gibson and his abusive, uh, drunken. It's how much, okay, I don't think that being drunk or being high is an excuse to assault people. You know, whether you're Mel Gibson or Emile Hirsch, uh, Mickey Rourke, I think he kind of did some stuff like that to Carrie Otis when they were married. And I remember one time a gun went off and fucking shot her in the hip, uh, like a 357 Magnum or something. And he's always been kind of a weirdo anyway, but he doesn't look good with a mustache. Uh, Mel Gibson looks good with a beard. Emil Hirsch can't grow facial hair. He's like Mike, Mark, Mike Wahlberg. Mike and Mark Wahlberg. They can't grow facial hair, even though they're grown fucking men now. Um, Shia LaBeouf looked fairly good with a mustache in, in furry. <laughs> furry. Brad Pitt looks good with a beard and five o'clock shadow and stuff like that. Mel looks good with that big, gray, bushy beard. Uh, he is embracing, although he was on a cycle of something when they made that um, Expendables movie. Um, and I found a, um, I would have to look it up now, but I can't, I'll, I'll post some of the things. There's a guy on YouTube that is like into bodybuilding and nutrition and everything. And he will, he's super knowledgeable about steroids, human growth hormone and all that kind of stuff. And um, he calls these guys out like uh, what, what cycle, what kind of cycle, what kind of drugs and stuff did you think that he think Chris Evans was using when he played Captain America? What Tom Hardy was using when he did um, the fighter movie? I can't remember what that one was called. I can't, what the hell was that? For? Uh, who cares? Uh, and what was another one I watched? Um, like Hugh Jackman, these guys that, um, or Mel Gibson and fucking whatever. Uh, these guys are actors and they'll have five weeks to prepare for a movie and they go from 160 pounds to 190 pounds or 185 pounds of lean, solid muscle mass. And they all say, oh, I ate chicken and fucking broccoli and I uh, six times a day and I worked out fucking uh, six hours a day nonstop, Wahlberg and all those guys. And they're all full of shit. They're on fucking trend. They're on testosterone they're on anavar they're taking this different these different kinds of steroids and stuff they're not great athletes they're not professional athletes and i don't give a fuck if they do crossfit or what they do i've seen people that do crossfit that are natural and they don't look that much fucking different and then when you watch crossfit competitions which don't drug test the fucking women have big cap rounded shoulders the fucking um small fucking tits with pecs and fucking washboard abs and super low body fat and everything. If it quacks like a duck and looks, looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's a fucking duck. Okay. I mean, you know, 
oh well the so and so they don't they don't look like fucking some of these body but well they they're not to the extreme of these mass monsters that are in bodybuilding today or they might not look like but i mean some of these guys i mean jesus christ they uh they showed tom hardy and he weighed like a hundred and fucking 40 pounds was built like a skinny fucking 12 year old. And then within just a short period of time, he's in that fucking fighter movie and he's got traps that go from his shoulders all the way up to the top of his fucking ears. And he's cut up and all this stuff. And it was just, you know, it's just what it is, what it is. And that's the same with models and everything. They may not take the shit that makes them look like a female bodybuilder with the big square jaw and they talk like this and stuff. But they're taking something to keep their body fat low. It's like um, low dosages of uh, Anavar or whatever the shit's called. Um, that doesn't make them, doesn't affect their voice, doesn't make them look like a man. But it keeps that low body fat while still maintaining a fit look. Like the fitness models and stuff like that. Whatever, who gives a shit. Anyway... <laughs> But, okay, force of nature. Mel Gibson is an anti-Semitic. I don't care if he is fucking was drunk or whatever. And he's abusive. He's abusive in the relationship uh, when the way he was breathing. You fucking whore. I hope you get fucked by a pack of, he says, a pack of N-words. Okay, so he's basically talking about them like, uh, uh, number one, having sex with African-Americans is horrible. And it's like having sex with animals. And it's like the worst thing that a, a white woman could do. And then he's, you know, goes off on all this stuff about Jews and stuff like that. So he's anti-Semitic. He's racist deep down to this core, even though he's fucking drunk. I don't give a shit. And that's the same with beating a woman or going out and you're going out and getting in fights and stuff like that. You got it in you and it, that's making it come out. Now, whether Emil Hirsch took a pill while he was drunk, okay, then he has a fucking problem and he needs to get that taken care of. But that does not, that's like if he was drunk and, and took, uh, he took Xanax and was drinking vodka and he was behind the wheel of a car and he smashed into something and killed somebody. Guess what? Just because you're fucking drunk and just because you're high doesn't let you off the hook. That makes it even worse. Because you're drunk and you're fucking high. You shouldn't be behind the wheel of a car and you shouldn't be out fucking getting that goddamn fucking fucked up to where you can't remember anything. Oh, well, whatever they he took, it must have been tainted. Well, it might not have been tainted. He probably took something and fucking uh, while he was drunk and whatever medication you take, if you take it with alcohol, it fucking increases the potency of it you know bah, 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 bah. like if you take uh, somas muscle relaxers or if you take painkillers or you take uh, da- something that's a benzo benzo whatever uh and you drink with it you know it just increases the fucking you know so anyway he's fucking full of shit um i will say this hope he gets his act together hope he did go into rehab and got off of all the shit and turns his life around and doesn't do anything. Same with Mel Gibson. I think he's very talented. I like watching his movies. I I like his um, kind of craziness and uh, his charisma. And he's got a good look and everything. And I think he's a pretty good actor. Uh, he has entertained me a lot. 
I hope that he gets his shit together and forgets all that bullshit fucking religious crap that his dad put in his head and, you know, that Nazi fucking white supremacist kind of crap and ditches all the racism. And then, you know, well, he was in that movie with Danny Glover fucking, you know, and he's an African-American and maybe their friends were, you know, it's like, oh, some of my best friends are gay. Some of my best friends are fucking black. So I go out and say the N-word or I say, you know, the F, you know, whatever uh, about, you know, homosexuals and stuff like that doesn't give you the right to. And yeah, you, you know, Trump might have a, uh, Jared Kushner might be Jewish and he might have a, no, so-and-so who's African-American or, or these women that are on his thing, but he treats other women like shit. He talks about them like shit and he talks about other people and blah, 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 blah. blah. So I'm off my soapbox. Force of nature sucked. Um, I'm glad I waited. It wasn't very good at all. Um, it had some really stupid shit in it. It could have been really good. Could have been a good siege movie. Um, but it was just bad, uh, a, a shitty script and it was just done poorly. Um, Mel was probably the best part of it. They, you know, it, it was just done. I don't recommend it. Uh, you can watch it if you want. Um, Kind of like a, I don't know if I would say it was like a shitty Bruce Willis straight to DVD movie, because I think it was better than that, because a lot of those Bruce Willis isn't even in it that much, uh, and he just doesn't give a fuck. He's not a good actor anyway, and he just doesn't give a fuck anymore, and it shows in everything that he's in. He's just collecting a paycheck. Uh, he's a shithead. The only good things he's been in lately have been those um, M. Night Shyamala uh, movie, uh, superhero movies. Those were pretty good. And, and that was quality, you know, a quality product again, Mel, uh, the movie that he made where he was the dad, uh, that was a motorcycle guy that was a tattoo artist and everything. And his daughter had gotten in trouble with drugs and stuff like that. I thought that was fairly entertaining and not, not a bad movie. Um, and some of the other stuff I've seen, uh, Dragged Across Concrete, I thought he was good in that. And I thought that was a pretty good movie. Uh, this sucked. This just really sucked. I was really super disappointed because he usually comes through and doesn't just make shit. Except for the beaver and uh, some of those comedy ones. But if you're with a chick and you have a girlfriend or your wife or whatever, um, the one where he could read women's minds and stuff, that's something that's, you know, it's a cute little movie. I, that's where I saw it. I saw it with a girl I used to go out with. Woman. Um, the Man Who Wasn't There. It's another Rolf movie uh, from 2001 with Billy Bob Thornton. Um, Joel and Ethan Cohen both, you know, wrote and directed that. Um, Francis McDormand is another Cohen Brothers uh, favorite. James Gandolfini is in this. Scarlet is in this. I have not seen, I saw it one time when it first came out, and I haven't seen it since. Um, and the thing about Coen Brothers movies I have found a lot of times myself is the first time I watch it, um, sometimes I've had this happen several times where it doesn't get over with me on the first viewing as much as then when I watch it again and again, and then, you know, um, this is one that I did not, I don't remember enjoying that much, 
But I think coming off of other movies that they did, like Raising Arizona, that were really funny, um, I expected something like that. But then when I watched this, it was different. And it was dark and brooding and, uh, you know, black and white doesn't have anything to do with it, but it was shot in black and white. Um, I need to go back and watch this one again. And I would like to watch it and, you know, knowing that it's, don't have any expectations and just watch it and give it a uh, another look now as opposed to in 2001 or whatever. So I'm going to go back and take a look at this one again. Maybe I'll rent it uh, or see if it's on Prime or something. Um, I think somebody said that they thought this was Billy Bob's best role. Um, hmm. I know that Sling Blade, that's kind of a... I mean, of course, he's playing the part and he's not... I don't want to say simple-minded. He's not challenged, mentally challenged or anything like that. So he did a good job. But then it's it's like the, um, um, oh, what's his name? Fucking Zoolander. <laughs> and uh, when, when they said about, you know, quote, unquote, going full retard, you know. Um, I don't know. I, I haven't seen this one in so long. My favorite Billy Bob Thornton role was when he played Davy Crockett in the Alamo. I thought that was just excellent. I, I thought not that the movie was excellent. Of course, I thought it was be way better than the um, Hollywood production, the Hollywood version that John Wayne did, which, you know, I loved that one when I was a kid and Davy Crockett and, you know, John Wayne and everything. It just it was a big Hollywood um, epic and, uh, you know, they changed around a lot of stuff and they had like a song in it and everything. It's old school Hollywood. Um, but the new one or, you know, the newer one with Jason Patrick and uh, Billy Bob Thornton um, was way more um, real on what really happened and everything. But the standout of the whole movie was Billy Bob Thornton's performance. And I just thought he was just fantastic in that so i'll watch this one and i'll see i'll measure see if he measure measures up who else was in this fuckhead um da, 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 da. tony shaloub i like him yeah anyway let's go back let's see how much time we've been going here because uh jesus christ an hour and 44 fucking minutes and probably uh, i go off on these tangents I thought I was like only an hour in. <laughs> I'm gonna be I'm gonna be finishing up here shortly. There's a lot of stuff we're not gonna get to. Uh, Two Guns or Zero Tolerance from 2015. Um, this was directed and written by uh, Wish uh, Kalsayanada. And um, the reason that I rented this was because of Scott Adkins, and I haven't seen it in a long time. I actually own it. Uh, because I was on a, you know, Scott Adkins kick where I was watching just about everything he was in. And um, Dustin Nguyen uh, is the star of this. And um, the, the thing about this one is Scott Adkins, if I remember correctly, Scott Adkins is, I've, I've seen him in so many things lately, um, or in the past, you know, and I really got on that ride uh, that when I watched this, I wouldn't say it was a letdown. It wasn't what I expected because on the box cover art, you you know, he's the the of the two people, the most prominent and everything. But he isn't 
the main guy. He's not the like the main star. He is the antagonist, and uh, I think Dustin Nguyen is the you know the protagonist. Gary Daniels is also in this. Um, it's not a bad movie, but like I said, just go into it, you know. Um, and it's not like a a from what I remember. Like I said, I haven't seen it in a long time. It's not like a a, a Scott Adkins karate movie either, you know. But it wasn't bad. I I haven't I, maybe I'll go back and rewatch it. That's another one where you have expectations of something when you you know you first turn it on and then it's not that. So that kind of uh, taints your viewing experience the first time so uh, a rewatch on that one might not be bad let's see the next thing i watched which i watched this morning was 1976's the enforcer with uh it's directed by james fargo and um written by harry julian fink who and uh, rita m fink um four more credits yeah get out of that see that shit um it stars clint eastwood time daily and harry gardino i think i talked about this one maybe in the last episode when i was talking about how back in the day you saw i you know i would see so many movies on tv but they were fe- uh, major hollywood features but you'd see them on tv and they'd be cut up all the swear words would be cut out of it and some of the you know violence and stuff and I mentioned this one, seeing it and just hearing, you know, on HBO, hearing uh, Clint say, you know, uh, hit the dirt, you son of a bitch or, you know, whatever. And we were just like, geez, holy cow, you know. Um, but I actually liked this movie when I first saw it. Of course, you know, you have uh, Magnum or um, Dirty Harry and Magnum Force. Uh, both of those are excellent. Um, I always have said that um, my favorite of those two is Magnum Force, but it's hard to it's hard to choose. But I I do like Magnum Force. Um, I like the motor the dirty motorcycle cops that are like the Death Squad. Everything interesting. Um, and of course, I would have out of okay. You've got Dirty Harry, you've got Magnum Force, you've got the Enforcer, which is the third one, the one I'm going to talk about. Uh, then you had uh, Dead. Well, you had Deadpool. And was there a? Am I forgetting one? Or am I thinking of Clint? In um, he made a, a couple of shitty. Uh, movies well like you know pink cadillac the rookie uh there was one with um that one fuckhead i think like true crime maybe blood work blood work uh i didn't think that was very good uh but let's see here okay sudden impact okay that's the one that i forgot or no i didn't forget that okay you have I'm, I'm losing my mind here. But Clinton made so many good movies. But you have Dirty Harry. You have Magnum Force. Then you have The Enforcer. The Gauntlet. That was not Dirty Harry, but it kind of was close. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Da, 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 da. Sudden Impact. And and The Deadpool. Okay, I did forget. It was Sudden Impact that I forgot. That was the one with the... Uh, when that, was that the one with the 44 Magnum Auto Mag? Um, let's see 
I watched The Enforcer, and I'm trying to think. What I was going to say was, okay, um, I liked Magnum Force. It's hard to choose between Magnum Force and Dirty Harry. They're both equally as good. Um, But I would always choose Magnum Force and then Dirty Harry. Um, I was going to say that my next one would probably have been The Enforcer because as as they went along, they, they weren't as good. And it just kind of went down the line like that. Um, but it's probably still the same. But I used to really, I used to, especially when I first saw it, I really liked The Enforcer. But I watched it this morning, and I don't think it's very good. Um, it's kind of stupid. <laughs> And I know what they were going for because it was kind of um, Harry Callahan being a a dinosaur as far as um, being a chauvinist, a male chauvinist. Because um, he's kind of he's kind of a dickhead in most of the movies, but he always had a like the kind of a nice side that you, I mean, he has to be hard all the time, but you would see the nice side of him like in Magnum force, you know, he, when he go with his partner, um, and in the first one with his partner, how at first he, he rides him hard and gives him shit, which he does to time daily in this one. And he always says, you know, uh, oh, they would say, you know, Harry hates everybody, you know, blah, 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 blah. And go through the list of, of uh, you know, uh, kind of homophobic and racist, you know, terms or, you know, um, nationalities or whatever that he hates. But he would always give that little smile or if he was dealing with a woman, um, you know, first of all, because his wife had passed away. So you see that side of him that he's not just all, you know, hard and tough and everything. Like when the one guy says something in um, Dirty Harry, the cop, you know, uh, he's going to cut his slacks off (laughs) slacks. Because he got he got shotgun pellets through him, and he, um, the guy says something about have your wife take a look at it, and then the guy who's his friend, the doctor that's his friend, uh, catches himself uh, because Harry's wife had been killed, I think in a car wreck or something, um, and you see that, and and Harry kind of kind of covers up, you know, tries to you know change the subject or you know, um, but also times where he's dealing with uh, like. Um, the one cop's wife uh, in Magnum Force, he goes to visit her and she's got the kids and everything. And her and her ex-husband, who was a friend of Harry's that was a motorcycle cop, um, had split up and he had been drinking and acting erratic. So Harry goes over to see her and then she kind of tries to put the moves on. But you can see that he's not that kind of a guy there of number one, cause the guy is his friend and he not only cares about the guy, but he also cares about her and she's got her little kids there and everything. And, um, 
but not only that, but maybe also still a little bit because of his wife. But then again, he does hook up with the, uh, the girl that lives, you know, are you the cop that lives upstairs? And, and then he, he was peeping on hot Mary uh, in, uh, in dirty Harry, which was fucking hilarious. He was peeping on hot Mary. Uh, <laughs> but the enforcer, Again, like I said, you know, maybe they played it out. Maybe they should have quit after um, Magnum Force, but they were both such big hits uh, that I think that they thought, you know, hey, this is this is kind of easy. You know, let's let Clint kind of walk through being, you know, Harry Callahan, you know, doing his thing. And uh, it could have been better. They really pushed that um, sexist, chauvinistic thing a lot. Uh, to, to almost to the point of, but then again, like I said, I think maybe hair, but, but then it wasn't just him. It was all the other guys. And I could see that being that way and everything. And maybe it's just the times have changed. So it's such a turn off and it's so stupid that it just kind of seems like really dumb and moronic, which it is, uh, in real life. Um, but like I said, maybe it was just that time. And, 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 uh, now that times have passed and things have I'm not saying that they're great, but they've gotten way better than what they were back then, you know. Um, but uh, again, they when I first watched this, I thought that the kind of the group of the baddies was sort of, the, of course, the the, uh, the main guy was f- sort of Manson-like or more probably a cross between Manson and Tex Watson, although there is a guy in the group named Tex. But then when you see the people that are in this group, I wondered if they were supposed, I was going to say like weather underground kind of people, but even the weather underground people that were protesting the Vietnam war and the United States government, when they were doing this stuff and blowing up buildings and, and things like that, they were young. When you see these people that are in this guy's gang, that are like domestic terrorists. Um, they all look like they're like fucking 40 and 50 year old moms and dads, which if you watch the weather underground documentary, uh, where it shows them now and they talk about when they were on the run and when they were doing all that stuff back in the sixties and early seventies or whatever. Um, the people in this gang look like those people when they're old and like they might have like a hippie headband on. And the one guy goes, yeah, right, right, right. Uh, right on man. Right on. But it looks like it's like my dad saying that they don't They're The people that they got to play those parts didn't fit. I could see if they look like young, kind of like, um, uh, like in uh friends of Eddie Coyle when the, when, um, the guy goes and he's supposed to sell, you know, I'm here to sell some machine guns and the, and the fuckhead, uh, hippie, you know, uh, they're like Patty Hearst kind of, uh, um, hippie, um, what you would think of when they, you know, I want to equate the two, but like when you see like the Antifa people now, uh, young people that are protesting, and then some of them splinter off and they're young people that are protesting by any means necessary, like Malcolm X or whatever, but they're young. and are, These people look like, I mean, they look like they were in their mid forties. You know, they didn't look young with the exception of the guy that was the main bad guy. And he was kind of freaky looking. But then when I watch it now, 
he doesn't kind of freak me out as much as what he did. He kind of, seems kind of like a douchebag. And um, I don't know. It just it just wasn't as good. There was a good movie there. They could have... And it was... I was going to say they could have made it... Na- it still should have been nastier than what it was. Even though it was kind of... It was nasty with the guy has the... The, the big uh, combat knife that has the brass knuckles for the handle and he stabs the, you know, the one guy at the beginning, uh, you know, in the, in like the fucking kidneys or whatever from behind. And, uh, then he fucking, sh- that what the one thing he shoots this, the, the, they're, they're, um, commandeering or hijacking or stealing a, um, a gas truck, uh, for like natural gas, the gas company so that they can, you know, uh, pull off this robbery and they have this hot girl their you know, hot girl in their group. That's kind of looks like little gator bait, white trash girl. She stands out there, hitchhikes, picks the guys up, whatever, and says, Hey, I got some cold beer. And they get there. Well, he sneaks up behind the one guy and they show his eyes and everything. Those crazy fucking Manson like eyes. And, um, he sneaks up behind the guy and fucking one guy kills him while the other guy's going in the house to get the beer and supposedly, I think, fuck the girl. When the other guy comes out, the the main bad guy, he's got like a, a um, I assume like a 12-gauge pump shotgun that has like a pistol grip over his shoulder. And that guy comes walking out with two cold beers. And it was a cool effect as far as ultra-violent kind of a thing because when he shoots, it busts both the fucking bottles and then the squibs, you know, ploosh, and it and they must have had a harness hooked to the guy because the blast fucking, you know, shoots him back, you know, like it's the force of the blast, which was kind of cool. And then, you know, he stabs a fucking old man uh, with the knife and everything and, you know, kind of some stuff. And then I think he, uh, the one girl gets shot in the robbery by Robert Mitchum's uh, brother. And um, then the guy, he's like, she's not dead. She's not dead. And he just pulls his gun out and goes, bam, 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 she's dead now. You know, so it was kind of, there was some brutal stuff in it. But there was just too much, um, I don't know how to put it. It just, not tongue, it wasn't tongue-in-cheek, but just too much of the, the Tyne Daily, um, how they portrayed her was kind of, uh, it was like they were doing an aff- affirmative action thing where she wasn't qualified at all. She worked like as an office person and they said, well, we just need to have a quota of so many women. So even though she had never done anything on the streets or anything like that, uh, she basically was like an, uh, you know, uh, in records office personnel, uh, they put her with Harry and she was just, and Tyne Daly's not a bad actress. That was just the role that they gave her, but they made her so inept. She was smart. Um, and then she came along, you know, of course, and earns Harry's respect or whatever. So I guess it went along that way, but it was just so ham handed. And it just kind of not only turned me off, but I was like, this just really isn't that good. It, it, it had some stupid shit in it. Um, you had to set up, you know, Harry's at the, at the beginning, you know, like when in the one movie he goes in, is eating a fucking hot dog and, you know, a, uh, there's a, is that car still sitting across the street? And, uh, with the, uh, 
with the motor running. Well, how can I tell if the motor's running? Well, uh, you know, is there any exhaust fumes coming out? And, you know, he just, uh, if just wait, have him call the, you know, he has the guy call the cops. He says, now just sit back and wait for the cavalry or cavalry to arrive. And of course, you know, they hear the alarm go off and whatever. And Harry can't eat his fucking goddamn hot dog, which nobody eats a hot dog with ketchup on it in Harry Callahan's world. And then, um, I'm trying to think in Magnum force, how they first, oh, it was the, the, uh, airplane, you know, he just happens to be going along there and, oh, you know, there's these guys hijack the plane. I'm a cop, you know, blah, 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 blah. And he goes and handles himself. And then in this one, uh, the guys are robbing a fucking liquor store. Well, first, before they even do that, they have to show Harry being kind of a, uh, a prick and the guys doing the, uh, faking. He goes to a nice restaurant and pretends like he's choking so he can get a free meal and Harry recognizes him. And, uh, but then the exact same, you know, they go and guys are robbing the liquor store and you know, the guy wants him to suck on the end of the, was no, no, no. The guy in this one, he played an Indian. And I think that grizzly movie with, was it Christopher George? And they were hunting the, the fucking killer grizzly bear and they had a helicopter and the guy was, that guy was an Indian. <laughs> but anyway, he was a bad guy in this one. He was robbing a liquor store and he makes Harry get down on the fucking ground. And he's like, get on the ground, you motherfucker. <laughs> and, uh, uh, they have the one dude from Hill street blues who didn't, he didn't fit either. The casting was just not good. He, he didn't look like a guy that would be robbing a fucking liquor store. Um, he looked like a guy that they would have put Harry with, with as one of his partners, you know? And then, um, of course, then there's the one, uh, where again, like I said, uh, Magnum force was the airplane. He goes and gets on the fucking airplane. And the one dude, he kind of looked like Richard Lynch on the, uh, airplane or no, 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 no. <laughs> when he, when I said that the guy that played the Indian in the Christopher George grizzly movie, um, I thought he, he had a double barrel shotgun, sawed off shotgun. And I thought he was the one that told Harry to suck on the end of the shotgun. Suck it, motherfucker. But that wasn't him. It was in uh, Magnum Force. Somebody was robbing a grocery store. And Harry's African-American partner was working at the checkout because it had been robbed before. So they had him pretending to be a, a clerk or a cashier. And uh, Harry's behind the um, um, the security glass, so they can't see him there, like where the office is. And he's back there with his gun pointed right at the fucking mirrored glass. And that guy, I think that guy kind of, rem- maybe he reminded me of Richard Lynch. Somebody reminded me of Richard Lynch. And he told that guy, um, what was that guy's name? Because he was in Walking Tall. Um Mitch Ryan was his friend that uh, was getting drunk and freaking out, kind of losing it. That was a cop. And where's he at? Here, Felton Perry. Yeah, he played uh, Buford Pusser's um, deputy in Walking Tall, Joe Don Baker. Um, Obra. Uh, what was I saying here? But he's the one. He uh, he told um, he told the the guy I'm talking about told Felton Perry 
he told him that he said suck it you mother well i think he called him the n-word he, he said suck it you motherfucker <laughs> suck it suck it suck on that goddamn <laughs> suck my dick uh robert urich man yeah that's fucking uh tim matheson david soul and robert urich and uh the one dude never did shit uh there was four of the motorcycle cops and of course Robert Urich was in, he played Dan Tana in Vegas. He was in SWAT. And um, who else was he in? Robert Urich. He was Jake Spoon and Lonesome Dove and um, Ice Pirates. But he was famous. David Soul, of course, was famous. He was in some movies and uh, Salem's Lot and Starsky and Hutch. And uh, he was in that World War Three movie where they were up in Alaska and the Russians started coming across the uh, Bering Strait and invaded up there and everything, and it could cause World War III. That was a made-for-TV movie. Um, Hal Holbrook was excellent in Magnum Force. Why am I talking about Magnum Force? I'm supposed to be talking about uh, Big Ed Mustafa in The Enforcer. <laughs> Big Ed Mustafa. Big Ed Mustafa, you know, it's kind of like, okay, how come this guy keeps showing up in all these fucking Clint Eastwood movies uh that would be funny if you found out like later on that uh Big Ed Mustafa and Clint were lovers and Sandra Locke was just the um uh Clint's beard I would like that I think that would be great because that would be an interesting uh an interesting um uh relationship an interesting couple Big Ed Mustafa who played Big Ed Mustafa let me look Devernon Bookwalter is the one that played Bobby Maxwell. Bobby Maxwell. What else was he in? He looked familiar. He was in The Omega Man with Charlton Heston. That guy was, he he almost looks like, um, oh, I don't want to say John Philip Law in uh, the Jane Fonda fucking movie. But he he looks sort of like a cross between... Like the guy in uh, Ninth Configuration, that uh, that guy must have died earlier. He quit acting. Wonder what happened to him. He didn't have very many roles. Uh, let's see. Let's see what happened to this mother freaker. He moved into steady work of soap operas from '82 to '84, and finally returned to New York, where he passed away before his time in 1987. And what year was he born? By God. Let's look this fucker up. He's an inter- He had an interesting look. Um, looked, he looked pretty young in this one. Let's see here. Of constant sorrow. He was only four. Well, forty-seven. I mean, that's young. Uh, play, let's see. Dever, or, uh, Dever, Deveron Bookwalter. He was the first person to win three Los Angeles drama critics. Uh, I wonder if he played Ron Becker on fucking uh, on um, Young and Restless. Because if he did then he was involved with Hasselhoff because Ron Becker was this character on um, Young and the Restless and he was a rapist. 
And he was going around raping these women in, was it Genoa City? Is that what Young and Restless? And Snapper, who was, Snapper's last name was Foster, and he was a doctor in like the emergency room. And his brother Greg Foster was Wingshauser. So you had uh, Wingshauser and... What's his face? <laughs> God damn it. I just said the motherfucker's name. Um, Hasselhoff, David Hasselhoff. They were brothers on Young and Restless. Okay. And um, they had two families. They had the Foster family, which was, they were kind of more like, a, I wouldn't say for the other side of the tracks, but the mom was like a maid. And then her daughter was always trying to, like, she would like, get in with like this rich dude and fuck him and marry him. And all the rich people would think she was trash, but she always wanted to, uh, she always resented that. Uh, and then snapper, which was Hasselhoff was like I said, an ER doctor. Well, this character, Ron Becker was on, um, that show and he was a rapist and they would show him, of course, like a soap opera, they would go to different, um, you know, it was on fucking five days a week and they would have like two different storylines going on. So maybe on Monday they would be showing the Fosters with uh, Castlehoff and Wings. Wings came on like a, he wasn't, it was just Snapper at first and then Wings came on a little bit later. Um, and then the next, like say uh, Tuesday and Thursday, they would have the, the uh, Brooks family and there was like three or four daughters there and they were good, all good looking and uh, their dad was rich and everything. And then, of course, what's her name was trying, you know, maybe she got in with the rich old guy and she was way younger and this and that. So anyway, um, this guy, Ron Becker, uh, on that show, he was going he raped uh, Peggy Brooks, who was the redhead in the family. Let me just there's no reason for me to be telling this story if. This guy is a Ron Becker. Young and the restless Ron Becker character. But this guy, he raped um, his his mother. He was like Ted Bundy. His mother, I don't know if he was married or not. I can't remember. Um, his mother didn't think he didn't, you know, believe, even though other women had come out and accused him of this, she didn't believe him. And I don't know if it was like Ted Bundy, if he actually, um, if, if, uh, he had a wife or a girlfriend, I can't remember. I'm, I'm for some reason, I'm thinking that he maybe had a wife and they were poor and they may have had a kid, but he would go out and was like raping these women. Well, the one time, he, I'm trying to think what happened. If he over, he raped Peggy and then Snapper, who was Hasselhoff, took care of her, of course, and I think in the emergency room and stuff. And they were close, the families were close, you know, and everything. And then I think that maybe that Ron Becker overdosed. He's going to kill himself or something. And the wife or the mother of Ron Becker called. Um, somehow Snapper got called 
or maybe I don't know if I don't think he lived in the same building or anything, but somehow he ended up coming. Maybe they called the the um, the hospital and he got over there as fast as he could, but he didn't know who it was. And then when he saw it was Ron Becker, he was going to let him die because he had raped Peggy. And um, the woman, I think she just, you know, she was like, you can't let him die. Blah, 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 blah. I love him. Blah, 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 blah. And everything. Of course he's a doctor. So he took a Hippocratic oath to do no harm and everything. So then he told her to get like, he got, she went to the refrigerator and got uh, some mustard a big thing of mustard out of the uh, refrigerator and snapper like poured that down his throat. And I think that induced vomiting. So he actually saved him. Now where in the hell is this motherfucker's name? I need to know this. It's probably not even him. I'm so stupid. What's the fucking matter? (laughs) Ron Becker. Okay, this is alphabetical order. Let's go down through here. I think it is. If it's not, it's going to suck. Okay, B. <laughs> oh, Becker. Ron Becker. No, it's not even him. God damn it. And I told that whole fucking story from 76 to 78. Ron Becker was Dick DeQuit. I thought Ron Becker looked like the fucking guy from The Enforcer. Of course, I haven't seen that. If it was 76, that was a long time ago. <laughs> Google. Let me Google this. I want to see what this bastard looks like. Maybe he does look like Ron Becker, but I don't. Well, I haven't brought the picture up yet. Okay. Okay. There he is. Uh, yeah, I can see that that's him. He kind of does look, with it when he has like a long wavy hair and, and the pictures where he's young. He was on Days of Our Lives too, apparently. He does look like he's like a little creep. Um, what else was this fuckhead in? So maybe I can talk about him for just a second since I actually brought him, probably the only time anybody's brought him up in forever. He might have been in a movie or something that might be interesting. Okay. He, the last thing that he made was in 2014. It was, it was called Tentacle 8. What's that about? Tentacle 8, a mysterious NSA analyst, Ray Barry, becomes entangled in a top-secret investigation after a malicious computer virus crashes US, the U.S. intelligence community's networks. Well, hell, that doesn't sound too bad. <laughs> Anybody see that? Uh, of course, he's not the main guy. He's probably old now. Um, it got a 5.2, so that's probably one of those ones. I would probably rather watch that than some of the ones that I watched, that Mel Gibson movie. Uh, let's see what else, if, if he was in anything good. Uh, Room 222, I remember that show because I was in. I was just a little kid, 1971. Okay, that's how long ago it was. Uh, and I was in love with Karen Valentine. She was so cute. And I was just a kid. Uh, New Centurions, that was a, a, a series that was based on the, um, the uh, really good uh, cop movie. Canon TV, TV, TV SWAT TV. He probably played a junkie or something on that too. Young and the Restless, Ron Becker. He was on Maud. He played Man on Maud. Feminine Fulfillment. And uh, he must have just been in two episodes where he didn't really even. He was on uh, Little House on the Prairie as Cass McRae. CPO Sharky. That was um, oh uh, Don Rickles. Killing Stone, Chips, of course we know Chips, Barnaby Jones, that was Jed Clampett, Simon and Simon, 
I would think this guy, maybe he would have been in a movie. Days of Our Lives, just as announcer. Jag, that had the girl that's really good looking in it. What's her name? Super hot. Nice, very nice body. Uh, Catherine Bell, yes. Oh, my goodness. Uh, you know what? That guy had a pretty good career, but he just, you know, he was just on TV shows. But, you know, what are you going to do? Days for our lives. Young and the Restless was, well, Barnaby Jones. He was in that quite a, for five years. And uh, Chips was only one time. But uh, Young and the Restless was, uh, that was, uh, well, just 1976. Maybe I'm remembering him, him more important than uh, he was. But anyway, let's look at this time on this bastard. Two hours and 18 minutes. I'm going to uh, get off here. It's, uh, I have to work uh, tonight. So I'm going to get off here and maybe go to sleep. But I just thought I'd give you guys another show. My sister, if she listens to this, will uh, appreciate the uh, Ron Becker stuff. Let's see, Bobby Maxwell, uh, oh, well, before I go, let's make it an even uh, two and a half hours. Uh, Deveron Bookwalter, the guy I was talking about, uh, he was in a movie called Blowjob. Uh, he was the, uh, uh, the recipient. The role says the recipient of a blowjob. Uh, what is this? This is an Andy Warhol movie. So he was one of these guys that was like um, um, one of those good-looking like twink guys that Andy Warhol probably liked. Blowjob is a silent film directed by Andy Warhol. It depicts the face of an uncredited uh, DeVaron book Bookwalter. I can't wrap my name around. That sounds like a uh, South African name, and maybe it is. Uh, as he apparently receives fellatio from an unseen partner while shot at 24 frames per second, Warhol specified that it should be proje uh, projected at 16 frames per second, slowing it down by a third. Despite the salacious title, the film shows only the expression of the young man's face. The implied sexual act itself is not seen. Whether it is male or female performing the act is not stated, and the viewer must assume the f that fellatio is occurring. Um... The salac uh, salaciousness has also been speculated to be entirely in the title with no fellatio actually being performed. Well, you know, you never know. Uh, let's see, what else? Uh, anything else about that? Not much, but it's just a quickie. <laughs> DeVaron. And he was a f just a family member in The Omega Man. Then he was in, he was in Mag Magnum Force. The naked man on the bed snorting cocaine with a prostitute. I remember that. And um, I think it was, yes, because um, Mitch Ryan's character, that's the one where he goes into the, he rides his motorcycle, police motorcycle, into the parking garage, and he comes across the other, he sees the other uh, uh, motorcycle cop. The motorcycle cop just in like two seconds draws his gun and just shoots Mitch Ryan between the eyes, I think kills him. But what it was was uh, the mafia guy, uh, uh, mafia guy was having a threesome with Der, what the fuck's fucker's name, Deveron Bookwalter and a girl on a big round bed, and he has cocaine, 
And he's like, don't tell me what to, the girl says something about. Come on, honey, take all your take your clothes off or whatever and get in here with us. Because the, the young girl and DeVaron Bookwalter are on the bed and they're they're acting like they're high and they're like getting it on and everything. She wants this older guy in the bathrobe that's the mafia guy to take his robe off or his silky robe or whatever and get in bed with him and fuck and do cocaine. And he goes, don't tell me what to do. Don't ever tell me what to do. Like, because he's like powerful, you know. But that's him. So he was in Magnum Force. Then, and he was naked in that. He was uncredited. Then he played Bobby Maxwell in The Enforcer, which was three years later. Uh, then he was in Cover Girls. He played Carl. That's a TV movie. And a movie called Manhole. And then he was in 1981's Evita Perone, which was television film. Manhole. 1978's Manhole. Let me look that one up before I go. Manhole. <laughs> Where's it at? Now we watch it won't be on here. That sounds interesting. Maybe I'll review this if I can find it. Manhole. Mel Gibson is a cop who's a manhole. Glory hole. Manhole. God damn it. I hate fucking IMDb. Manhole. 1978. There's no information on it. Well, fuck a duck. Okay, well, I need to get off here and uh, do some stuff. I'm not going to see what it is. But Der, Der, Vanden, Der Vander Holyfield. Dick DeCoit is not Devander Bookwalter. Where the hell is that son of a bitch from? No, he was born in Brookville, Pennsylvania. Uh, for some reason, that that first name reminds me of like uh, Afrikan. Spouth Ruth Kidder. Oh, I wonder if she's related to Margot. I bet you it is. Margot Kidder. <laughs> Margot Kidder was a Democrat. <laughs> what game gives a fuck? Uh, poor thing. Suicide by drug and alcohol poisoning. You know, I, I knew that she was having a lot of problems, but for some reason, I did not remember that she had committed suicide. I remember they found her um, that one time, and she had really something had gone wrong and she kind of went off the deep end and they found her walking around with no or no teeth in or something like she maybe she had a partial or something she passed away peacefully in her sleep while the, and the days following her death i've been struggling all week with the image of margie lying helplessly on the floor at her house that's sad i think she maybe she was bipolar or something and she had a real bad uh What's it say here? She lived uh, at the foot of the Canyon Mountain right outside of Livingston. Like uh, much of Montana, the mountain was filled with wolves. But instead of fearing them, she loved them. She left meat out for the wolves uh, so she could watch them come down the mountain and eat safely from her home. She asked her closest friends if they stopped by her place and found her dead to tell no one, place her body in a bedsheet, drag it up the canyon mountain, and leave her for her and her other friends, the wolves. 
Wow. Yeah, that's sad. I'd uh, hate to leave on a sad note. So anyway, uh, Devere, and I don't know if that was, it's just a, you know, Kidder, Ruth Kidder. I was wondering if that was, uh, what's it say about Faye Dunaway? Oh, Faye Dunaway played Evita Perone in that made-for-TV movie. But anyway, again, after about the 10th time, I'm going to get off here and uh, do some stuff. And um, I hope you guys enjoy the, the new shows. And uh, again, uh, you know, keep listening. Oh, shit. Okay. Do I have... I said two and a half hours. I have four minutes to do Rolf's... Uh, there's a gnat. Uh, okay. Rolf sending these questions. Uh, if I had a second dick, uh, what uh, do, what, or if I uh, su suddenly had a second dick grow, what would I do? Well, I probably had to buy new underwear and new pants. Uh, ideally, I would find two girls to uh, uh, either two hot girls. And since it's a ridiculous question that I can fantasize about, I would pick two girls off of the, uh, hot tub group that uh, I can't think of anybody off the top of my head, uh, Catherine Bell and um, uh, uh, that Anna DeMaris, <laughs> whatever the fuck her name is. I uh, probably wouldn't, I, yeah, it'd probably be her too. And uh, I would do, uh, if I had two dicks, or I would just take one person like uh, Salma Hayek and uh, double penetration. <laughs> the Coen brothers, he asked uh, top three Coen Brothers movies that I liked and the worst three. Uh, Miller's Crossing is probably my favorite. And then um, I loved uh, Fargo. And I put down Inside Lewin Davis, but No Country for Old Men is so good. But I'm going to go for the first three that I went for, which is number one, Miller's Crossing. Then uh, I put Inside Lewin Davis and then Fargo. And I put in parentheses at the bottom, No Country for Old Men. Uh, the worst lady killers. I hated that movie. I didn't think it was any good. Even on the second watching, I just thought it was really poor, had a really good cast, but it was just bad. Uh, and I know that it was a remake and everything, but, uh, of an old movie, but it was just not good. Uh, burn after reading. I didn't think that was very good. I thought it had a few funny things in it, like George Clooney building the dildo uh, machine or whatever. Um, to be honest with you, I think that a lot of people would say that the other George Clooney movie, uh, with, uh, about the, um, prenuptial agreement would be there, but I thought that was pretty funny and I actually enjoyed it. I did not like a serious man. Um, and I've watched it, uh, two different times now. People have told me, no, it's really good. You gotta watch it again. I watched it again. I still didn't like it. So lady killers burn after reading and a serious man. Uh, do I still go to the theater even though the COVID thing's going on? No, I have not been to the theater in 2020. Uh, a lot of that at the beginning of the year had to do with all my uh, uh, back problems. And then once the COVID thing started, I haven't went uh, yet. Uh, I don't really plan to, you know. Uh, mask design. What kind of mask do I wear? Uh, it's a mil uh, <laughs> mascaris, uh Orange mask with black piping and a red M on the uh, on the forehead, uh, which is not what he's asking, but I'm just being stupid. Um, could Steven Seagal kill COVID? And I, I said, yes, uh, uh, he eats COVID and then he shits it out and then eats the shit. Uh, and in between, uh, while he's raping his Asian sex slave. Uh, elections, what do I think is going to happen during the election? And I said that uh, I think 
try and think the worst that's going to happen so that if something else happens, it'll be, you know, it'll be really great and feel really good. But uh, I still think that I actually do think that Steven Seagal will win and he'll he will eat all the foreigners and also rape them. And uh, this is Dr. Zom, and I have 30 seconds to sign off to make it a two and a half hour show. Thanks, Rolf, for the questions. And if you want to send more, uh, that's cool. Uh, anybody else? Uh, I did not check the uh, email, uh, Sylvan Gold email. If you're on Facebook and you listen to the show, if you want to send me questions on um on there in an in a instant message or whatever that's cool too it's probably the fastest way instead of getting on there and you know trying i don't i'll have to see if i can find i think i have the password to the email but anyway this is dr zom calling you all to action we can change this world you just need to vote and speak up and uh, if you gotta protest a little bit protest don't do anything stupid don't uh you know, violence is not the way, but uh, make your voice heard and, uh, you know, let's fight for truth, justice. I was going to say the American way, but that's kind of subjective because there's a lot of people that think the American way, uh, you know, the way I think they don't think it's, I don't know, it's not a good way. Um, Peace, love, forgiveness, and helping your fellow man. You can't go wrong with those things. So uh, no matter what religion you believe in, peace, love, forgiveness, and helping your fellow human beings and animals on the planet Earth. And let's make this place a better place to live in and strive to be even better person every single fucking day. We need to stop Steven Seagal in his tracks before he can eat the planet. Dr. Zom saying so long.